Welcome to Between the Gutters, where we talk about the stories within the panels. I'm your co-host, Albert, and with us is our other co-host. I am Drew. That was a very boisterous welcome, Albert. Yeah, well, I've been doing meth all afternoon, so... Uh, okay, I'm yeah, I felt that in my headphones. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to think that, you know, this is what I would sound like uh, if I was performing a concerto of the purest will and form of my spirit in front of an audience of millions upon billions of the rocks fans did you say the rocks fans yeah so you're not even imagining having a million billion of your own fans you're you're thinking of using somebody else's fans yeah i'm trying to placate the millions and millions of the rocks fans <laughs> jabroni because <laughs> i said so <laughs> I, i'm sure i'm i know he had a bunch more lines but i don't uh that's 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 our theme of tonight. We're incorporating the rocks uh, 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 catchphrases into this episode. If you smell, yeah, there we go. That was the big one I was missing. <laughs> <laughs> How could I miss that one? How could you, man? I was waiting for that. <laughs> if you smell, what the rock is cooking? <laughs> that was, what are we talking that about? Top shelf. That was top shelf rock. Uh, catchphrase right there, and I missed it. I'm uh, I'm kind of ashamed of myself. You want us to uh, restart the recording so you can try it again? No, uh, this is this is pure performance performance art. I want it to be the purest version of itself. Okay, so uh, we just leave all the flaws all. in. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, it if if our podcast was a turd, I'd want it to have nuts and drips. And chips and all. Chips? You know, either potato chips or chocolate chips. Mixed into the turd. I mean, if you had my diet. Hello? No, I'm I'm still imagining what that looks like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I have a 99% potato chip or chocolate chip diet. So, uh, yeah, I'm not long for this world. I think that's fair to say. Many years ago, I went on a camping trip with Albert, and he went the entire weekend without taking a dump because mm-hmm. he didn't like the... Uh, I didn't want to crap in the woods like a savage or a commoner. Yeah, so he just yeah. held it in the entire weekend. And yeah, I think, I think that was the moment when I was the most impressed with, with you, yeah. man. Yeah, I'd, I'd never uh, seen anything like that before. Yeah, don't uh, don't ever undermine the fortitude of a dandy. It it didn't seem like it was good for your internal organs. Well, I'd also bowels. say subsisting on a diet of ninety nine percent potato chips and chocolate chips it probably isn't good for my organs or really my survival as a whole. Yeah, yeah, you're you're definitely the most worn down and ragged. 40 year old i've ever met yeah yeah i think that's fair yeah so there's a good chance that by the end of this episode i'm just gonna collapse in a heap <laughs> uh, yep <laughs> so what are we talking about in this episode albert so on this week's episode once we've gotten the riffing out of the way we are doing our 
Shulk-topsy. That is She-Hulk, attorney at law. That is our autopsy of said series. Mm-hmm. We did uh, an episode a while back where we did our, you know, our our She-Hulk introduction. For those of you who know not who know nothing of She-Hulk or know very little of She-Hulk, and uh, you know, we discussed what our expectations of the show was. And now that the show has arrived, and now that we have consumed it and we have processed it, we are going to spew all of our observations, our ponderings, our thoughts and ideas on this show for all of you good listeners. Yeah, so, all of our thoughts are going to be like those little chips and turds in, in Albert's bowel movements. Exactly. Just imagine yourself laying down and putting your ear wide open and just me squatting down and just defecating my ideas right into your ears because that's family entertainment. That is the true nature of podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I have a feeling that the people listening to this might actually uh, believe me when I said at the front of this podcast that I've been doing meth all afternoon. There's a good chance that they've stopped listening by now, and we can pretty much say whatever we want. I always assume that with every episode that we've done, that by the fifth minute, most people have stopped listening. (laughs) So I generally am always functioning on the premise that I'm going to say whatever I want. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. for those of you who make it this far into the podcast... Uh, there's a bunch of things that I do say. You can use your imagination. I mean, you can presume that I might be a misogynist or an anti-Semite. Who would know? You have to listen to the rest of this episode to find out. Either that yeah. or the Patreon. <laughs> the non-existent Patreon. <laughs> the non-existent Patreon where I say the things that really get me canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like every episode we do is, what, at least probably close to two hours, if not more. And somewhere buried within the episode, maybe around like the one hour, 42 minute mark, <laughs> there's just a random racist thing. That yeah, none of us I, make it, I make it a point to go out of my way in each and every episode to find one group or, you know, persons that I can offend. Because I have a checklist, and I'm just trying to make my rounds. (laughs) (laughs) The world is a big place, and sometimes you just want to see if you can offend everyone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're an equal opportunity offender. Exactly. Exactly. But all of the people you offend should take it personally. (laughs) I'd like to think so. It's the only way I know that I matter. <laughs> Anyways, so yes, we've uh, the the show has come and gone. We we've we watched the last episode yesterday, and we both had our thoughts about it, and we decided, you know, this uh, yeah, I mean, we scheduled the episode for this week, but nonetheless, uh, you know, we we've been pontificating about it and you know, our likes and dislikes and what, what have you. And, uh, yeah, we thought we'd just put it all here on an episode today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So our 
previous She-Hulk episode was back in 137, in case anybody out there would like to go back and hear what we have to say about She-Hulk as a comic book character. And I think we did discuss some of the, I guess, the musings and uh, maybe some expectations of what we thought the show could could be. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, we, we did read a bunch of She-Hulk comics for that episode, and we, we talked about them to some degree. And I guess to summarize, uh, even though I actually want people to listen to that episode, but <laughs> to summarize, <laughs> I think we just came to the conclusion that we there aren't too many great, truly great She-Hulk comics. Yeah. Like, at best, yeah. I'd probably say there are She-Hulk comics that you can read without feeling complete disdain for them you know like there there are some she-hulk comics out there that they're they're worth reading maybe for the artwork or maybe they they do uh bring some amusement but as far as like truly great she-hulk comics uh, i can't really point to anything it's not the most stirring recommendation but it's something yeah 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 i mean Uh... but nonetheless if there are any people who are interested in reading She-Hulk comics. I, th- I think we did talk about some that could be worth a shot. The one caveat I have is the current ongoing series by Rainbow Rowell, because I still haven't read it. I'm, I'm waiting for the library to get it in. And I, I'm kind of optimistic about that one, because all of the other Rainbow Rowell comics I've read so far have been great. Mm. And I did say in that episode that I think... My ideal She-Hulk would be a YA comic, and that makes sense because Rainbow Rowell does come from YA comics, so that might be right up my alley as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think she was actually known for writing YA prose books. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And then I, she, I, she I came in and that. did some comics. Uh, the, the ones that particularly stand out are her Runaways uh for marvel and she also did a comic with uh faith aaron hicks mm-hmm. uh shoot the name of it escapes me at the moment i want to say was it pumpkin heads i can't remember Gotta uh, look that, up. that doesn't sound wrong i think because i just read that recently myself mm-hmm. so it might have been pumpkin heads which yeah. by the way is a great autumn comic and since we are in the season of autumn uh my side recommendation would be that pumpkin heads yeah, that's a good book. I love me some Faith Aaron Hicks. Yep, yep. Um, I think one of the other takeaways that we had, uh, well, okay, I'm I might this might be me projecting on you, but it it really did feel like from my recollection of the episode, it it really didn't feel like we had very high expectations of She-Hulk as a whole, just because the history of She-Hulk hasn't really given us much to expect so i don't know about you but i I think i went into the show not really expecting to be blown away not really expecting to you know Mm -hmm. have the she hulk story that i've always wanted and and to be fair i think even at the time of the episode when when asked i didn't even know what the she hulk story i wanted really looked like It, it was just kind of grasping at straws at the possible things and ideas and ways that the show could work and uh and at least on my part just hoping that those would be enough material to 
make She-Hulk a character that I could care about beyond just liking the idea of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was pretty much uh, in the same boat as you because the last few Marvel TV series, I wasn't super enthusiastic about them. Uh-huh. But, you know, I mean, Ms. Marvel had some interesting ideas, but ultimately, I don't think I was too high on it and the uh the last episode of that i I thought was a pretty bad last episode yeah the show before that one moon knight i thought that was just awful and to me that that's probably the nadir of the disney plus uh marvel era (laughs) it might i think it's even worse than something like thor 2 or iron man 3 because moon knight's longer (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Fair, fair. So after after those two back to back shows, I I think I was starting to dread uh, Marvel shows. Yeah, I, I think it's just the uh, the the way that sometimes when you watch something to review, if it's not something you enjoy, it ends up becoming a chore, and you feel more resentful towards it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And uh, you know, the podcast being what it is. We do we do try to expose ourselves to comics that we want to read and comics that we enjoy, but sometimes it's crapshoot and uh you know, we commit ourselves to things purely out of intellectual curiosity and not all of those things are winners or you know. We we try our best to to you know make hay of what what we read what we read or what we consume but yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and I I think we had even had a conversation after uh, we did our Ms Marvel episode we had a conversation offline just talking about how maybe we should just stop talking about Marvel shows and stuff yeah just because it can feel like a chore yeah and I mean. We didn't even do an episode on What If, the What yeah. If series. I, I remember I watched the first episode, and I was far less than impressed. I was unimpressed, and <laughs> I, I didn't even bother watching uh, yeah. the rest of it. I, I think I watched like half of the second episode, the one that had What If Black Panther became Star-Lord or something. And yeah, that that wasn't for <laughs> me. Yeah. yeah. Pepper agrees. Yeah, she knows. She senses the hate with her dog sense. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Yeah, I I hear her growling at the very idea of <laughs> the audacity of this inane what if question. Because I don't think anybody in the history of the world has ever asked what if T'Challa became Star Lord. Yeah, it's a pretty uh, meaningless question to ask. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. even something is. As silly as, like, who would win in a fight between, you know, Spider-Man and Iron Man? Like, we've had conversations like that between ourselves. And, you know, at least there's a funness to that in its simplicity. But, yeah, I don't know why anyone would ask what if T'Challa became Star-Lord. It's, it's a pretty random question to ask. Yeah. It, and I find it hard to imagine that anyone asked it outside of 
the writers for that show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't exactly. think anyone ever thought to ask that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, to get back to what I was saying, uh, you and I had this conversation offline about how maybe we should just tone down the Marvel coverage that we do, even though just looking at the stats, those are the ones that get the most clicks and the most plays. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't feel like we podcast just to get clicks and plays. I, I think yeah. I think we hold ourselves to a higher standard than just trying to uh, you know, get eyes on our yeah on our show. And I do think there are more than enough uh podcasts and YouTube channels and whatever out there that are covering these things. So the idea that mm-hmm. I don't know, like the idea that I would count myself amongst the uh the dregs uh, for for um for our podcast subjects i it doesn't leave the best taste in my mouth especially especially if it's something that i'm not really enjoying you know yeah 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 Yeah. although sometimes it is fun to dunk on stuff that we don't enjoy that's true that's true but i'll also admit that I think that things, whatever I dunk on has to have a especially special place in my heart, you know, just a a special amount of contempt because <laughs> I'm pretty uh, lukewarm on most things. So I don't know. I, I don't know if I can always find that level of vitriol and hate for <laughs> everything. So uh, next episode, we we gonna do the Snyder Cut. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm just ready. I'm <laughs> I'm ready to truly defecate on that. I'm if if you are on our Patreon and if you give us money <laughs> to buy a Blu-ray copy of it, for sure, I will literally <laughs> defecate on it. <laughs> uh, you can watch it on our TikTok. <laughs> oh jeez. But, but all you know this what? being said, huh? You know what though? I was uh pretty surprised by how much I really did like the She-Hulk TV show. Yeah, I, I that's kind of where I was going with uh my my what I was saying as well. Like uh in spite of the setup of everything that we've said up to this point. You know, and I'm well aware that a lot of it was just stream of consciousness and in some cases even nonsense. But, um, yeah, uh, all of the lead up to this made it sound like maybe we were going to dunk on this or maybe this was going to be the straw that broke the camel's back. But She-Hulk really did feel like it was something different uh, Mm -hmm. than everything else we've watched up to this point. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm even including that in comparison to something like WandaVision that started out with a lot of, uh, promise. very experimental ideas. Yeah. A lot of promise, but ultimately just ended up being, uh, a laser show slugfest, right? Yeah. Uh, this was something that was pretty different. Uh, it's. Quite honestly, it's something that I feel got 
a lot of hate from a lot of places. I think it had the potential to get a lot of hate, not just from, you know, the the regular haters, but also just your average, you know, quote unquote, uh, civilians. So after watching it, I, I really didn't think, I don't have enough faith in humanity that they would take a chance on something like this. And yeah. um, quite frankly, in terms of the discourse that I had with people who don't read comics, that was generally the impression that I got even before I watched the show. Like everyone who's who reached out to talk to me about it seemed to give some variation on how how bad they thought the show was. They were saying that before the show came out? No, they were saying that as the show was coming out. Oh, okay. So so I hadn't watched it yet. Okay, so just to let you guys know, uh, those of you that are listening, I watched episode one about a week before I went to New York, and that's just kind of what I sat on. And then uh, as of Thursday, the 13th of October, 2022, I watched all of the remaining eight episodes in one sitting. So, uh, you know, up to that point, I was getting inundated with comments from, you know, all sorts of people from all sorts of places. And it just generally felt like what everyone had to say was not favorable towards it. I, th I don't think there was particularly any one uh, like theme or idea that they hated, mm -hmm. but uh, the one thing that I remember was one of my friends uh, who, uh, he'll remain nameless of course, but he did say you sure that... you don't want to call him out by name? To really shame and embarrass him? No, it's okay. I'll go to his house and then, you know, I'll just slap him with my wang oh okay yeah there we go nothing nothing's more sobering than a wang slap i'm sure if he listens to this he'll be able to identify <laughs> himself so he'll know that you're yeah. gonna be dropping he'll by know that the... i'm coming but yeah. he won't know when or where or yeah he won't know when it'll be and uh by what means i'll be entering his home mm -hmm. but he'll just know that you know a wang to the face is uh coming yeah. Yeah. Um, Will that so be on the TikTok? Sure. That'll be on the Patreon. So if you subscribe <laughs> to our non-existent Patreon, if you give us money, I will post a TikTok of me slapping a person in the face with my genitals. Because of their opinion about a TV yeah. show. Yeah, because that's civilization for you. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So essentially what he said was it's boring as a Marvel show and it's boring as a legal show. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And and that was the main thing he said. I I I thought about it. I was like I haven't watched it yet and if I had to be perfectly honest, uh I didn't have high expectations for the show. So when he did say that, I just kind of shrugged my shoulders and went, okay, uh, I'll, I'll take your word for it. And I think I was girding myself for that expectation to be met. Mm -hmm. And I will say that even by the end of the first episode, there was something about it where I think for me anyways, in terms of the subtlety of what was going on, 
I didn't feel like there was more beneath the surface beyond, oh, it's just, you know, it's the Hulk meets Ally McBeal or something like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 And and to be honest, that's what I thought it was going to be. Uh, You know, the Hulk meets Ally McBeal or the practice or some Boston variation legal. of that. Boston legal. Yeah. Something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What was your experience with the people in your life uh, regard in regards to the show, Drew? I think before the show came out, I had some people text me like, why are they even making this? Like, what? <laughs> why are they making <laughs> Sorry. Pepper's having a no, moment. No, they, they were pretty much just barking up a tree like Pepper. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was one of those things where they seemed to not understand why this had to exist. Some of them thought that this there was no need for this to exist. Yeah. And all I could really say to that was, you could say that about any Marvel show. Yeah. Yeah, right? It's or pretty movie. silly to think... It's pretty silly to think that Spider-Man needs to exist. I mean, especially in hindsight, right? Mm -hmm. Now that Spider-Man is this juggernaut of... Uh, an IP or whatever, like for for Spider-Man to exist, it's like Pepper is going nuts right now. I, I feel is. like it might be a warning for you, man. Maybe somebody's trying to break into your house and <laughs> and drop their genitals into your cheeks. <laughs> well, I opened the door. She went outside, and once her curiosity was satisfied, she was done. But, anyways, what was I saying? Yeah, like we. If I was to say now after the fact that, you know, why does Spider-Man need to exist? It's a pretty preposterous thing, thing to put out there because Spider-Man is this pop culture juggernaut, right? Right. Or Batman or Iron Man or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But realistically speaking, you know, if this was, had been 50 years ago or, you know, way back when those comics first reared their heads or whatever, um, anyone could have just been like, who wanted this, right? Yeah. People didn't know that they wanted Spider-Man until Spider-Man became a thing. So mm -hmm. I, I think it's only fair that people have an open mind about whatever they're uh, consuming. And I don't know. There there seems to be a weird sense, especially with this show, there seems to be this weird sense of people taking an affront to its existence because... Again, it's like you said, why why do we need this? Who asked for this? Mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't know why they have that to say about this in particular. And oh, I know, just assumed it was because they hate women. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're, all, you're all trying to think of these uh, philosophical answers, and I'm just like... I'm taking the lowest road possible, man. <laughs> it's the lowest hanging fruit. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! But then, when the sh even when the show was several weeks into its run, actually, just uh before, yeah, before the last episode came out, I was talking to another one of my friends, and he shall remain nameless as well. Uh, I doubt he's gonna listen to this anyway, but just in case he does, he'll probably. <laughs> yeah recognize himself and buddy if you hear yourself in what i'm about to relate just know that you've got to prepare yourself because albert's going to come to your house 
and teabag <laughs> I like how this has expanded beyond my friends to me going to your friend's house to, <laughs> to do, uh, you know, demeaning acts of sexual violence. <laughs> well, you're the only one I can rely on to do that. <laughs> I, I can't just let somebody else do that for me besides, besides you, man. You're, you're the only one I can trust with such an important task. I'm the hero you need. Drew? Mm-hmm. It's not like they have an Uber Eats or a Grubhub <laughs> for this kind of thing, you know? I, I can't just get on an app and order somebody to do that for me. I need I need a true professional. Well, I mean, we could always create an app for that. We call, call it FaceWang, where people just, you know, uh, activate the app and pay for every person that I'm going to slap in the face <laughs> with my wiener. And just to be clear, in all of these scenarios so far, these are all men that I'm attacking. <laughs> so so let it be known, <laughs> I'm not doing this to, to vulnerable people. <laughs> Unless your friend's in a wheelchair or something, then yeah, sorry. But, you know, you paid me to do it. I have to live up to my contractual obligations. Yeah, that's yeah. what being a professional is all about. Exactly. And just know that I don't do this because I enjoy it. I did it because I got paid, but I exactly. enjoyed it a little bit. <laughs> Man, oh. that that meth is really long-lasting, Albert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh it's got a heck of a kick. <laughs> so anyway, what my friend was saying, I thought was pretty silly because one of the first things he said to me was, again, he started off by saying that the show was unnecessary, that uh -huh. there was no point to it, and that it didn't need to exist. And, you know, all I could really say was what I just mentioned, you know, like, nothing really needs to exist. I mean, it's, yeah. it's entertainment, you know? Like, yeah, you could say that about anything. Yeah. And, and then, uh, you know, he didn't really have much of a comeback to that i don't think but uh, -huh. uh he, he did say that he thought the idea of she hulk was stupid and what he said about it was that it was ridiculous and unbelievable or unrealistic that a woman would want to get the powers of she hulk and you know to like go through all the whatever process to get the powers and become a hulk and I was pretty confused by that because I didn't understand uh, where that was coming from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I said, I think I just told him, it's not like she chose to have her powers. And then at that point, uh, I think I realized he didn't actually watch the show. He only yeah. saw like random clips and the, the trailer for it because he, he explained to me that from the clips that he saw, he assumed that. She-Hulk got her powers by putting herself in a machine and having the Hulk, you know, somehow impute his abilities onto her. Yeah. Which I guess if you watch the trailer and you don't have any context or fundamental understanding of She-Hulk, I, I guess you could come to that conclusion. I will say this. If that was the actual origin, that'd be a pretty stupid origin. Yeah. 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 But that being said, I wouldn't trust your friend to write a show. <laughs> if that was how he imagined it if that was yeah. his idea for an origin like 
your friend should probably stick to coloring books. (laughs) 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 Okay. And then the other thing (laughs) that he said was how dumb it was to have She-Hulk twerking with Megan the Stallion. The Stallion? Yeah. 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 That's how you pronounce it, right? Because it's two E's. I don't yeah. know. I don't listen to her music, so yeah. I wouldn't yeah. know. Yeah. But yeah, he, he said it was, he thought that was really stupid. And I asked him, or I didn't ask him. I, I told him, I just said, dude, that was a post-credits joke. So yeah. I don't see like what the, why something like that is so Relevant. annoying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Right. It's a one-off <laughs> joke that really doesn't matter to the rest of the show. And the Marvel series seems to be full of these, so. Yeah, like why yeah. do the Avengers eat shawarma after a massive battle yeah. that destroys most of the city? If I got to the end of the movie of Avengers 1 and I saw them and it the end credit scene for that is literally just them not talking to each other, but just eating shawarma together. Like my thought would be, what was that for? I wouldn't feel this sense of outrage towards it, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. again, he, he didn't watch the show, so he had no context for it. It was it was really just, you know, seeing clips out of context, you know? Because I think that clip did become uh, a meme online on Twitter. Because yeah. even though I hadn't watched the episode at the time, like that was spoiled for me just by scrolling through Twitter. Yeah. I will say this. Uh... And maybe this is telling of whatever my sense of humor was, but I actually did think that was funny. Not necessarily the twerking, but, you know, the punchline, the very end of it, where she just goes, I would kill for you, Megan the Stallion. Because <laughs> I just imagined her just going on a rampage and murdering people for <laughs> Megan the <Thee> Stallion. <laughs> it's a pretty funny combination of words. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'll even say that uh, I don't remember the actress's name uh, who played She-Hulk. Do you, uh, I, I recognize her, but... Tatiana Maslany. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. Yeah. Like, there are a couple of bits throughout the show where I think her delivery is pretty good. Where, you know, she's, as an actress, I think she knows how to pace and time and hit the right tones so mm-hmm. that what she has to say is pretty funny. And I thought that was an example of, of that uh, talent, you know? Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, I actually did have a conversation with someone else about the show. Um, this is another friend of mine and this is a woman. So, oh, you know, okay. so you, you can't, you can't, yeah, I'm not going to, uh-huh. like, assault her with my, you know, genitals or anything like that, because that'd just be, well, that'd be a crime. Yeah, uh, you've got yeah. to find her father or her boyfriend or husband. Exactly, exactly. I have to find a man in her life that I don't feel bad about assaulting. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Perhaps a grandparent. <laughs> uh, but anyways... Um, <laughs> Oh man, this episode! I swear, uh, <laughs> we're gonna get yeah. in trouble. We, we're gonna, <laughs> yeah. we're gonna get in so much. These trouble. are all jokes, by the way. <laughs> all right, I don't believe anyone should ever assault anyone. 
Well, maybe. I, I also agree with that. Maybe Putin. <laughs> <laughs> he he deserves it, okay? <laughs> but I she was someone who I talked to right after I finished the show. And mm-hmm. uh, we we had a pretty long discussion about it, actually, because I, I then recommended the show to her. And she she gave it a watch. I think she watched like the first episode or something. And there was she she's uh not necessarily a comic fan. Uh I think she's like most people in that she watches a lot of comic book movies and she watches a lot of uh these Marvel uh these Disney Plus shows. So mm-hmm. she's involved on that level, but I don't she's I don't yeah, I'm pretty sure she's never read any comics or she's if she has uh you know it, it's it's pretty limited, right? Mhm. But the thing about that the discussion that I had with her and there was like kind of a lot to unpack. Uh she was saying things like she watched the entire series? She didn't. So okay. but here's the thing. Uh the way that I explained the show or or based on what she saw in the first episode, uh the thing that rubbed her the wrong way was this idea that so much of the show was about She-Hulk not wanting to be a superhero. Uh-huh. And I think there was something about that that annoyed her sensibilities because she had come to expect a certain formula out of these Marvel shows. And the idea that She-Hulk wasn't going to follow in the footsteps of this of this formula like really agitated her. And really it it really did and i huh. think and i think there and i'll i'll even say that she's someone who i would consider fairly progressive in terms of her views on on women and you know just in general right well it would have been funny if you told me that she hated women <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say something, but I stopped myself. Uh, <laughs> Why'd you stop yourself, dude? Because <laughs> we got to have something for the Patreon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but what I was going to say was, um, yeah, well, her, her essential take on it was, and, and this might... This might be something that stems from her... I guess her progressive views, but mm-hmm. she essentially said, uh, well, okay. Like I said, there was a lot to unpack, but one, I think she was kind of irked by the idea that Jen Walters just got her powers through a blood transfusion. Yeah. And then she was like, well, what's stopping anyone from just getting their, you know, becoming a Hulk from a blood transfusion. And I had to explain that, well, even in the episode, they explained that there's a very, like, specific combination of genetic markers that allows for that mm-hmm. to happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. But then it expanded the conversation into this even bigger uh, discussion of, uh, I guess, legacy and heroes, right? Okay. And she was talking about how she she mentioned the the Hawkeye show and she talked about how Kate Bishop and Hawkeye worked for her because you know if 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 the show is about legacy and if it's about these people being heroes and stepping up to the plate because that's what all Marvel shows are about right 
in her mind, that's what she was saying. She says that works because Kate Bishop is going to someday become the next Hawkeye. So Uh that works. But for her, the idea that she Hulk doesn't want to be a superhero. She was saying that, well, if the Hulk, if anything ever, ever happens to the Hulk, you're telling me that the person who's next in line doesn't want to be, doesn't want to, you know, take the mantle. Like if that, if we entertain that idea, then we begin to entertain the idea of why do superheroes exist at all was essentially her argument. That's a strange connection to make, but continue. Well, yeah. So I had to really make, I had to really like drive home the, the point that, well, if, if there is going to be some element of reality to these stories, then we have to accept that not every hero, not every person who's stricken with superpowers necessarily wants to become a superhero, right? Right. Like, and even even in She-Hulk, that seems to be the the basis of it. And there's nothing wrong with having a story about this superpowered person who doesn't necessarily want to embrace the conventional superhero role. Like, if anything, we're richer for having more stories that don't just adhere to the conventional formula of this person has a tragic past or ha- uh, suffers some sort of accident that gives them a superpower. And because of that, they take it upon themselves to become a superhero because that's what you do, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, it, it lacks nuance. It lacks any, like, sense of free will or agency like why if if it's just a foregone conclusion that a person gets stricken with powers and that's just what they do when they get powers like it's it's a pretty one-dimensional story yeah it's a pretty one-dimensional universe (laughs) yeah if every story were like that then it would be a pretty repetitive and tiresome formula but here's the thing i mean i i paused earlier because i was gauging your reaction and that was pretty much the reaction I had, right? But here's the thing. Yeah, it's perplexing. I, I don't think that her response is... Uh, I don't think it's a unique response. In, in fact, I think it's a more common response than we might think. Because I do think there are a lot of comic book fans who... Or not even comic book fans, but... You know, a lot of these civilians, as we call them, or whatever, right? People who don't necessarily know comics, but have been exposed to comics through these shows and through these movies. I do think that's kind of what they, excuse me, what they have set their expectations up for. And Hmm. I could imagine that there are quite a few people who watched She-Hulk and didn't get that. In fact... Yeah, uh, in fact, I'm sure they were waiting for, uh, you know, your conventional sort of superhero story where, again, she gets her powers and she goes through these trials. And by the end of it, she decides to don uh, the mantle of the Hulk and to be a superhero or whatever. Right. Uh And that's her arc is her being this uh, is her fighting this huge plot and fighting all these uh sub bosses before she gets to whatever 
whatever she's at, whatever her primary obstacle is. So, yeah. So your friend didn't even end up finishing the show. She, she quit on it because of that. She didn't quit on it, but here's the thing. I did convince her, like, I, I basically told her what I just told you, which was, you know, we are richer for having stories where characters don't have a singular motivation or response to this, right? Like, uh-huh. in real in real life, people don't all respond the same way. Like, people, well, I'd like to think people have complexity and nuance and, you know different means uh different responses to these things and that's that's the point of a good story is to be able to show you these uh various responses and to Mm -hmm. follow their emotional arc to its conclusion uh yeah it's it's about yeah the characters articulating their emotional journey in a way that's compelling and makes us the watchers or readers want to follow their emotional arc to its uh conclusion Mm -hmm. but uh that was essentially what i said and i think i was able to convince her i was able to get her over the hurdle of okay she hulk doesn't want to be a superhero and she's going to use her legal powers and her knowledge of the law and to have that be the thing that is kind of her crux you know Mm-hmm. um so yeah okay be interested to hear uh what your friend has to say when you follow up with her if she ends up finishing the show yeah yeah but i feel like this also needs to be mentioned but there were a lot of people who just hated the show without watching it at all uh because you know they thought there was some sort of agenda or there was some sort of uh you know, thought there was some kind of woke agenda yeah some sort of moralizing or virtue signaling all those garbage phrases that we're constantly hearing (laughs) that Mm -hmm. you know the second that i hear come out the second i hear any of those words come out of the mouth mouth of a particular kind of person like in the back of my mind i already have an idea of what this person's about (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah but especially when they're saying stuff like that before the show has even come out yeah absolutely and, it, and yeah, it's clearly just some kind of thing where the people that the show itself is making commentary on, they're they're proving the there's show an right. insecurity there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like this is on some level, it's more about them than it is what they're actually watching. But mm-hmm. they're so stubborn about what it is that they're feeling. They're so reticent to admit that they're feeling whatever it is that they're feeling that they would prefer to think it's it's that episode of the simpsons where uh uh seymour skinner is like he's hunting down kids and he's going to like all the lamest places in the city to find these kids and he's like but they're not at 4-h club they're not at the museum why when i was a kid these were all the places i'd love to go where else are truant kids gonna go am i so out of touch with the world and then he stops and he ponders and he goes no it's the children who are wrong (laughs) (laughs) it's that you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and just to let it be known to those of you who are listening like this was a show i i don't know if it was something that got like 
review bombed, but it wouldn't surprise me if it did. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty confident it was, because even when you look at the reviews on, like, Rotten Tomato, it's like 87% of critics like it, and 38% of the audience score is uh, favorable. Oh, 38% right? of the audience? Yeah, 30 per- so it's 38% is po- is positive and so, you know, uh I guess okay, so audiences 62. hated it. Yeah, exactly. So, if that's not I, I I can't say for sure that it's review bombing, but that sounds I'm, like it. Yeah. When you yeah. look at things that have a higher rating than than this, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, and, yeah. And it's all over the internet. The loudest voices seem to be the the people who just hate it just because it exists. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've I've seen more than I've inadvertently seen more than my fair share of memes that are designed to disrespect the show. And yeah, I think by extension, even no, not I think definitely I've seen some that that uh are made some memes that are intended to insult the people behind the show for yeah yeah which is not cool it's not cool i mean speaking of which i guess we could introduce uh some of the people behind it or at least the names that i'm familiar with go for it who yeah who are you thinking of well uh the showrunner is uh jessica gao and she's worked on quite a few shows well she hasn't worked on a whole lot of shows but the one thing that she's best known for is rick and morty she was working on i believe season three and uh the one episode in particular that she worked on that seems to get a quite a bit of acknowledgement from you know fans of rick and morty and you know critics in general is a episode called pickle rick that's one that she's recognized for and you know pretty strongly attached to um in brief, uh, well, it's an episode about how Rick uh, turns himself into a pickle uh, to avoid going to family therapy. And uh, the A story is about him uh, going on this adventure as an anthropomorphic pickle. And his family, uh, the B story is his family going to therapy and watching how those two stories uh, uh, collide with one another. Yeah. Um, in addition to Jessica Gao, the other person that I'm familiar with is Zeb Wells. He's someone who's been in comics for a while. Um, he's currently the writer on Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, prior to that, uh, I can't really remember off the top of my head what else he's did, but I know he's had a pretty big career in comics. He's been in a I, I think he did Dr. Octopus Year One. Was that him? Uh yeah, that was him. He uh, he did do a uh, few other Spider-Man comics uh in the past, I don't know, 15 years or so. Yeah. Uh, from yeah. what I remember, so kind of surprising to when I heard that he was coming back to The Amazing Spider-Man for yeah. his current run cuz it felt like he he had a pretty prolific period in comics in the mid 2000s or so and then Yeah. And then it seemed like he kind of faded away and did a bunch of stuff in television. Uh, like uh-huh. I remember he worked on that Superman turn show. Yeah, I was going to mention that it was a claymation or a stop motion animation show with uh, Keegan-Michael Key. 
and uh, it had Brian Cranston on it and Jillian Bell and some other people. But uh, I actually did watch that show and I did like it quite a bit. It had like two seasons before it ended. And, you know, unfortunately, it never got that third season or, or you know, uh, a conclusion. I mean, it, it got a conclusion, but maybe not the conclusion that they intended. Mm-hmm. But. You know that's a that's a good superhero show as well, uh, so I would recommend that. Zeb Wells, you know, it, it's like you said, it's kind of weird because if you look at his contemporaries from that period of time, um, Marvel tends to chew up writers and spit them out. So you know they, he, you know the other writers in his. Uh, his contemporaries they worked and then eventually what ended up happening was you know they just phased out because marvel wanted to make room for new writers so when it was announced that he came back to amazing spider-man it was a pretty big surprise Mm -hmm. yeah 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 there's quite a few writers from that era i think who were prolific for a short amount of time and then for whatever reason I guess the uh, big companies, Marvel and DC, weren't super interested in in offering them work. So it kind of seemed to fade away from comics. And it wasn't until recently when uh, we started seeing new comics from people like Sean McKeever. Like he's somebody that I think of from around that same time period, right? And uh, he was out of comics for quite a while not necessarily by his choice and then was able to come back and launch an image book outpost zero which which was a good comic unfortunately <laughs> it, it did get uh canceled prematurely but that was a good piece of work and you know there's there's a lot of people like that uh from yeah that period i think uh it's kind of kind of sad to think uh how marvel ends up choosing who their star writers are going to be like it yeah they make they've made a lot of dumb decisions, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's um it's a trend that we've seen in the past and unfortunately I'm pretty sure it's a trend that will continue into the future. Yeah. Like uh you know, uh their their writers come in waves and they're given the opportunity to leave whatever mark they have on uh the industry and once Marvel's done with them you know, they don't necessarily make a big scene, but all of a sudden the, the calls just stop coming and the work just stops coming. And it's, uh, I guess it's the professional equivalent of being ghosted. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. There, There's another writer on the She-Hulk show that I recognize from comics, even though I haven't actually read his comics. But Cody Ziegler... I don't recognize him. He's not familiar to me at all. Yeah, I think his work is more recent. He's done a few Spider-Man comics that I haven't read because uh I don't know, they were just they weren't anything that uh drew my attention re- really. Uh like there was something called Spider-Punk. Some, you know, it's just one of those Spider-Man spin-off comics. I don't know what the premise is. I think it's is. popular now cuz they've brought that character back. I think it's a character where people like the visual aesthetic of the character more than you know anything else about that character it's kind of that spider gwen phenomena right Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. the the visual and the the visuals and the concept of the character is 
more interesting than well except spider gwen's actually good so but you know it blew up because of the 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 visuals yeah and and it became a thing so but the thing that i recognize his name from the most was this comic he did a few months it came out a few months ago but he did a what if miles morales comic and that comic ended up becoming pretty controversial. Uh, I never actually read it myself, but uh, just there was a lot of hubbub when that comic came out because it was a story about what if Miles became like all these other different heroes. And uh, huh? I, I'm just uh, grumbling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For, for a second, I was I wasn't worried that saying any actual words. I was just, uh, just making a, a, a moan of uh, dissatisfaction at the idea of it. <laughs> it. It sounded like the kind of vocalization from somebody who was having a, a stroke or something. I was worried about you, man. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's it's what happens when you just run out of words for for like. <laughs> hate when you when you've just exhausted your vocabulary in its entirety and you just run out of words and you're just like me no like <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know my inner frankenstein came out yeah <laughs> fire bad <laughs> but yeah he he did this comic this what if comic and one of the I guess one of the things in it was Miles Morales as a version of Thor, but he had Thor, you know, set, the way he wrote the dialogue made him, uh, he gave him like rap dialogue. So you try to make him, I forget if he actually like literally quoted Tupac or something, but he tried to give the character that sort of cadence and really uh, made him like sort of that stereotypical hip-hop version of thor and i think the overly stereotypical nature of it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way it would make me roll my eyes and and like not even from like some sort of social justice standpoint or something it just it just sounds really corny yeah yeah you know i haven't read the entire comic but but uh, just looking at the scans that people posted when this news was blowing up, I I remember cringing. I I can't remember yeah. like a specific line of dialogue or anything, but I think if you just look up Cody Ziegler, Spider Man, Miles Morales, you'll you'll probably find some stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, it's unfortunate that that's kind of how I recognize his name. But yeah, uh, yeah, he I mean, was a, he was part of the show. Everyone gets their 15 minutes, you know, whether it's ends up being fame or infamy, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Were there any other people uh, behind the scenes involved in the show that you wanted to mention or highlight? Uh, No, I, I think those were the names that I could think of off the top of my head. Uh, you mentioned the actress who played She-Hulk. Um. Oh, uh, Tim Roth is in it. I like him. So I, I thought he was good in there, but we'll, we'll go more into that when we discuss the show in greater mm-hmm. detail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
So one more, one more comics person involved in the show uh-huh. is Kagan McLeod. He drew the end credits for all the episodes. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't recognize anything that he's worked on, but the end credits did look good. Yeah, yeah. He, I, I first uh, learned of his work when I read his graphic novel, Infinite Kung Fu. That was uh, oh, okay. an indie comic that Top Shelf published. I think it was Top Shelf. This was at least, I want to say maybe even like 10 years ago, if not more. It's not necessarily, the. it's not a recent comic, but that was yeah. the first time I came across his work. I never I read remember. it, but I always saw the cover and I remember thinking the cover looked really cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember the story that well because it's been so long, but I do remember the impression it left on me, which was favorable. <laughs> and his art is very stylistic. And from what I remember of that specific comic, Infinite Kung Fu had some pretty just gorgeous looking ink ink work on it. Like, I don't know if, I think he used, well, I don't know what tools he used, but it from what it looked like, it looked kind of like some nice brushwork. And uh, it was very dynamic action comics you know as you can imagine from a title called infinite kung fu uh he was all about that action it was really Mm. fun to look at the other thing i recognize his name from is working with chip zadarsky because they did captara together Mm. yeah so it, it is definitely cool to see that he got some pretty high profile work doing doing the end credits for a marvel show yeah it's pretty like when I think about it now, um, in hindsight, the She-Hulk being, you know, on some level a a legal drama, uh, the way that the 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 end credits was drawn was in that courtroom sketch artist style, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I didn't think that was a cool effect for that uh for those end credit sequences you know yeah Um, definitely and there were things that the end credit sequences although a lot of them do look sort of similar there are things that happen to it that require you to pay attention because they do there are things that involve the story too so yeah that's that's a, a note worth mentioning yeah all of the end credits they always have images that are in every episode but they also have their own unique episode related or episode specific drawings as well Mm -hmm. all right did you have any um you know uh uh the did you have any other creative people that you wanted to mention for it or did you want to go into the show oh we can go into the show i don't think i know enough about television production to have too many other comments uh at the moment cool so should we tear the veil and enter into full spoiler territory yes let's do it man full spoilers okay yeah um i I guess i'll just give a brief uh you know just rundown of the show itself just so uh those of you listening can kind of follow along but Jennifer Walters is Bruce Banner's cousin, Bruce Banner being the Hulk. And right at the beginning of the story, what ends up happening is there is a car accident in which both of them are injured. And the Hulk has to give a blood transfusion to Jennifer Walters. But because of her special genetic uh, connection to the Hulk, 
she is that blood transfusion allows her to access the powers of the Hulk. And even though the Hulk makes a big uh, thing of the fact that, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, you know, essentially that's what's, what he's saying. Um, Jen Walter's story really does revolve around the fact that she really doesn't want to be a superhero. And it's really about her adjusting to this life uh of 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 being thrust into this life of superpowers mm-hmm. and all the while trying to juggle having a normal life and i guess ultimately it's about her finding that third path where she can make a way for herself to use these powers but also to use her natural talents uh her um you know legal talents to change the world yeah, yeah. How'd that sound? One thing though, was it technically a blood a blood transfusion? I thought it was just the blood. Oh, I thought his it was blood just got in, blood like, dripping into or mixing into an open wound that Jennifer had in the car accident. Okay, I I might have forgot that part. So yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's was... technically still a blood transfusion. Yeah, but it's yeah. It's just not the medical procedure of a blood transfusion. Yeah, it wasn't like yeah. she was bleeding out and she needed a, an immediate blood yeah, transfusion yeah, yeah. to save her life or anything. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. really just an unfortunate coincidence, I guess. Because her, her uh, actual comic book origin is uh, another thing where... I think the limits of credibility are stretched immensely and mm-hmm. what they did in the show uh, isn't too far off from it. And even though it's not quite as dumb, I still, I do think it's, it's pretty dumb, it, but on yeah. the, on the plus side, the way that the show did it just made it very quick and we moved on into the story yeah. rapidly, which I appreciated. So I could easily forgive I'll, them for, yeah. for that. Cause in, in the comic, it's it's one of those situations where the two of them were in a car and some gangsters shot at them and Jennifer got hit by some bullets and needed a blood transfusion and Bruce Banner being a doctor <laughs> he didn't need to take her to the hospital because he's a doctor yeah. even though he's a doctor who specializes even... <laughs> in gamma radiation and developing yeah. weapons for the military because he's a doctor <laughs> without any special right. equipment. He was able to build something to give her a blood transfusion because he's a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. He was a chiropractor that was able to perform brain surgery. Yeah. Because <laughs> right? he's a doctor. Yeah. Because all doctors, as long as you're called doctor, you can do all forms of medicine. <laughs> Duh. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I wanted to go back to what you said actually a little bit um, earlier, which was, yeah, um, the the comic book origin. We we talked about this in the podcast a little, where uh, the origins of the She Hulk as a concept was really them just creating her because they didn't want the television show to steal the rights to the idea or the name of She Hulk, right? Right. The we're talking about the Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno 
uh, Hulk, Incredible Hulk TV series from the 70s and 80s. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it already was a pretty shallow reason to come up with the character. And, you know, when they finally did do it, it, it was really slapdash. Uh, you know, what, what we ended up having was a slapdash origin, which was, like you said, uh, she gets shot. There's a blood, blood transfusion and she becomes the Hulk. Right. And mm -hmm. it's it's not the greatest origin. It's um, like I was telling you about my friend who who heard that origin and she was unimpressed by it. And I'll admit that in a vacuum, it is pretty unimpressive. And. But one of the things that I explained to her was it. I think for the purposes of this show, it almost doesn't matter what her, yeah. what She-Hulk's origin is because it really doesn't it's matter. It's really yeah, it's really about Jennifer Walters' emotional journey, and once you get past that hurdle of what a lame origin, it it would really help you to enjoy the show a lot more. I think it allows you to ignore the like simplicity of it, and and like you, I I appreciated the fact that. The origin really was just the couple of minutes in the beginning and then, you know, her just being thrust into this situation where she was learning about, not even learning, it was her dealing with having these powers and mm -hmm. living this new life, you know, mm -hmm. which I thought was a pretty great way to introduce the show because I think at this point we're pretty accustomed to these origins in these shows that are kind of dragged out for quite a bit, you know? Like, yeah. Moon Knight was definitely dragged out for a while, and it's just not something that I needed. And even... Well, and even you don't need anything, Albert. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But, yeah, I, I, I appreciated that they didn't try to overthink her origin and try to do something clever, you know, with it, where they were like, oh, yeah, well... You know, she 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 got her powers because she was residually affected by one of the Infinity Stones or something, <laughs> right? <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's an alternate universe version of the Hulk that happens to be a woman or uh, whatever. It's like <laughs> they they just kind of breezed past all that just to get to, you know, the the part that makes the most sense, which is, hey, when something like this happens to a person. It, it upends your life in a big way, mm -hmm. just in terms of uh, quality of life. <laughs> yeah, and one of the big elements at play with uh, Jennifer Walters in the show is that she already had a pretty good life, you know? Like, she had a fulfilling life and was enjoying herself. It, it wasn't like she was lacking something critical. It wasn't like she was empty inside for some reason and needed the She-Hulk to fill the void to complete herself. She was yeah. perfectly fine and capable of everything the way that she already was. And yeah. having having these abilities thrust upon her was more of an annoyance because then it just kind of disrupted the life that she was already living. Yeah, yeah. And by the end of the second episode, uh, you know, once she has her powers, she goes back to trying to have her original job. And right then and there, she's attacked by a supervillain. And, you know, 
she can't shrug her, shirk her responsibility, so she uses her power to stop this rampaging villain. But by the end of the second episode, the, the case that she was working on when the courtroom was attacked, it gets thrown out because of a technicality, which was, you know, she used her power to save the jury, and therefore the jury was swayed by her, <laughs> Yeah, you know, by by her saving them. So as a result, the case has to be thrown out because she, you know, indirectly influenced them. Mm-hmm. Now, that might be one of those things where, you know, legally, uh, it, it's questionable in terms of a legal tactic. It's, it's, it's kind of flimsy. Uh, it's hard for me to imagine that if, if that is something that would work in the real world. But for the purposes of the story, uh, for what they're trying to do to Jen, I'll buy it. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is uh, she loses the case. And as a result, she loses her job, too, because they just can't have a She-Hulk in the firm. So, yeah, yeah uh, she it's like you said, she had a good life, but these powers didn't really help her, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They yeah. hindered her more than they helped, at least in the beginning of the show. Yeah, yeah. They they could have called this show "How I Learned to Love the She Hulk." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I I really do feel like the show. It covered a lot of different things, and uh, and so much of the show early on really did feel like it was the closest thing that we got to a Marvel slice of life type of show. Mm-hmm. And because so much of the early episodes, although they did have their bits of action, it was really about her adjusting like various aspects and areas of her life and just how they were affected by her becoming the She-Hulk, you know? So it wasn't it was her professional career, it was her relationships, uh, you know, with friends and family, it was her dating life. You know, each episode sort of covered different aspects of her personal life. It even got to the point where I didn't think, at least early on, I didn't think this was going to follow in the footsteps of other shows where we were gonna have a big bad at the end of the series. You know, I just thought we were just going to have these sort of one-off stories in each mm-hmm. episode. And I actually kind of enjoyed it. I appreciated it for, for that because it was different. I do feel like this is the part where we need to mention that me and Drew especially, uh, we, we do have an appreciation for Slice of Life as a genre. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like Slice of Life is something that gets... It's pretty misunderstood, and I do think it's something that gets quite a bit of hate just out in the world, you know? Yeah, Uh, I think the general masses like to believe that everything that they watch, quote-unquote, matters. (laughs) And, And to them, that means it's a chapter in a larger, ongoing, on you know, a big story. But there's just something refreshing to me about stories that are complete in a single episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and I, don't, uh, I don't think that I don't think that they matter any less just because they don't connect to the gigantic tapestry of the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase Four or whatever you want to call it. You know, like I've heard people question, "What does this have to do with the overall direction of the MCU?" And, you know, like people are trying to f- search for connections and, and, uh, you know, I've even heard on another podcast that someone was annoyed at the show. One of the hosts was annoyed at the show because it didn't seem like it was going to connect to something bigger. And that's the kind of thing that just makes me scratch my head because to me, it's like, if the only way you can enjoy a show is if it's a smaller chapter of a larger story that, that sounds exhausting, man. How do you enjoy anything? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I think I that's that's the double-edged sword of how Marvel has trained uh, the the MCU fans to uh, consume these shows, right? But that's, because... that's the funny thing, because now that there's so many shows and so many uh, movies, so much to watch and consume, now the MCU more than ever is reflecting what actual yeah. comics are like. Yeah. Right? Like <clears throat> totally. If you were to read an issue of New Mutants and an issue of Spider-Gwen and somehow you you expected that both of those unrelated comics would tie into something like an infinity gauntlet saga or something yeah and you were looking for it all the time like do you even know how to read comics bro do you even know how to read anything (laughs) right exactly because again like there's there's this dopamine rush this reward that you get for that or people feel like they get from uh these elements of the interconnectivity of their fiction right because it feels like there's this sense of I, for having paid attention and picked up these details and for studying uh, all the previous shows that came before it, for me to know this and to notice it when it ha- when it rears itself in another show, that's the sense of reward that I get from watching it. But then it no longer becomes about watching the show itself because it, now it yeah. just becomes about chasing that dopamine hit. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and if it's not that sense of oh I recognize this and therefore like now I I I I reward myself for having known that it's also this thing of trying to solve a puzzle. Everything becomes this huge puzzle where it's like oh what does that mean? Oh what 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 now I have to fall down some sort of rabbit hole in order to understand what the bigger payoff is. Yeah. Because I can't enjoy almost, comics like that. I, I'm I'm not gonna say that as someone who reads comics that I don't get something out of that, but that's not all that I get out of it either. Yeah, that's that's not the motivation for reading all these different exactly. comics, you know. Exactly. And when it's done well, I I do appreciate that sort of thing, but mm-hmm. it can't be the sole factor that's driving me to read these comics because it's 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 pretty cheap. After a while, it's cheap and it's mind-numbing and it's meaningless. Like exactly, I think at the core of it, the story has to be good, and 
the characters have to be compelling. Those are the things that have to matter. Otherwise, like all it is is just you know chum to feeding me chum to to you know uh, to to placate me and and I'm yeah. not I'm not that simple. Yeah, it's it's like people treat a lot of these Marvel stories or movies and shows. They they treat them as not as stories, but they treat them as plot delivery devices, mm. you know? And I think people, a lot of these movie MCU fans, they want to see everything connect. And because things connect, that's what gives them their, in their minds, in, in those fans' minds, that's what gives those movies or shows meaning or relevance. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't, I don't see things like that, so I don't I don't sympathize with that point of view at all. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to jump around to the different episodes. I'm not really going to talk about this in a linear way, but okay. um even even the show's attempts to uh I guess play around with the idea of continuity and and things that matter. Like I I would say the show takes a pretty uh different take and stance on, on that because the, the one of the big things that comes up at the very end of the show is the hulk shows up and it's it's just a really quick scene but he goes hey this is my son this is scar right mm-hmm. and that's it and so for in in any other comic movie or or show there's this huge build-up and then the revelation of Hulk has a son and like, you know, it becomes like a big battle and, you know, there's all this drama around, will his son be a friend or foe or all this. Right. <laughs> and for them to play it off in just one throwaway scene at the end, like they, it tells me that they understood the nature of the beast, which is we constantly have to feed these people something, but yeah. that's not something that matters to us. Right. Yeah, yeah, it, certainly. It and in in the wake of that yeah. last episode airing, there are definitely a bunch of articles that popped up saying, "Who is Scar?" You know, those kind of yeah. explainer articles yeah. for all the all the casual fans that don't know anything and yeah. feel like it's important for them to educate themselves on who Scar is. But in all honesty, if you just watch the show and you learn that's his son, that's good enough. I mean, you, you don't yeah. need to go to Wikipedia and read up on him. There's nothing. Like there's better ways to spend your time than going yeah. on yeah. deep dives into Wikipedia to learn who these various characters are. Yeah. And like and I could totally imagine that I could imagine the worst, most toxic kind of fan going, That's a bait and switch. Like Scar's such a badass character. And for <laughs> you to introduce Scar like that, like and and, and I, I will say this on their part. Like again, like, I think they understood the nature of the show that they were making, which was we have to give the fans something, something new, right? Yeah. And for them to go, well, we're just going to introduce this new character in this one scene where they're sitting at a table and having dinner together. Like, there's no fanfare. There's no spectacle. That's the introduction. Like, maybe for them, it might indicate even just how... It might even indicate that they're just throwing the fans a bone, right? Mm-hmm. And I could totally imagine fans going, 
getting into you know the wor- again the worst kind of fans throwing a fit and just having just talking about how outraged they are by how how meaningless this gesture is right yeah but it totally misses the point of how hey it's not that important scar's not that important like i'd even go on to say personally i don't even think scar is a cool character i like i don't <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty lame he's pretty lame in terms of the characters that are kids of superheroes he's He's pretty up there in terms of lameness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's... And I've, I've read my fair share of Scar comics, and I... Did you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was in a bunch of Avengers comics and stuff. I I, I won't say I read his solo comics, because... I think I Greg Pak wrote them, right? Yeah I, yeah, I didn't have any interest in those, but yeah. I've read my f- fair share of Scar in comics generally speaking and yeah there's nothing really there that you know there's nothing there that really requires more attention so he is not a fundamental character <laughs> he is not at all yeah if, if they choose to make him a fundamental character in the mcu then you know yeah. so be it that's just the way that they're gonna do things yeah but as of now there's nothing really in the comics where i would be like Oh, if you like Scar, you got to check out this comic or this story, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I do have a feeling that there are a lot of Scar fans and a lot of Planet Hulk fans. And, oh, yeah. Uh, just totally. Uh, I, why, people? <laughs> it reminds me of that one time we were, I forget where we were. We were at some sort of sale and I think there it were was these the friends of the SF Public Library. I remember yeah, that sale. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there were these two dudes, and one guy was telling his friend about, I guess they had come across like a batch of Planet Hulk comics, and the guy was like super high on it, and he, he just goes, This is like one of my favorite graphic novels of all time. You know, and for him to call it a graphic novel, like just to give it that level of like gravitas, <laughs> there was something laughable about that. You know, it's a funny thing to be pretentious about because <laughs> it's a Hulk comic. Yeah, and it's not like it, this was the Dark Knight Returns of the Hulk either. It wasn't a, it wasn't a writer trying to apply like a greater theme or message or concepts to the Hulk. It's literally a story about the Hulk going, being trapped on an alien planet and being forced to become a gladiator. Yeah. That's literally all it's about, you know? Yeah. It doesn't get much more. Yeah. This isn't uh, Citizen Kane, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But but I also wanted to point out another scene uh, that, that was similar where right on the eighth episode at the very end um so this feels like it's worth talking about but one of the elements of previous hulk stories that they incorporated and this was something that we talked about a little bit in the previous in the podcast for she hulk was the idea that one of the most popular uh iterations of she hulk was the john byrne she hulk and that was something you hated and something i was pretty dismissive of as a whole Mm -hmm. but um one of the signature elements of that series was that She-Hulk would break the fourth wall and talk to the readers, you know? And mm-hmm. there'd be a lot of these panels where she would 
step outside of the the gutters of the comics or really play with the the space of the uh the comics panels and they found a way to incorporate that in the show as well you know and i remember uh mentioning that i i did enjoy that gimmick from when i was a kid um oh okay that was something you know something that stuck with me about that version of she-hulk because it was something that i had not even thought was possible up to that point you know Mm -hmm. so when i saw that for the first time that oh this guy's writing a version of a character that can that's breaking that fourth wall that that sort of blew my mind as a kid Mm. yeah but anyway so i i I say all that to talk about this one scene where right at the end of the eighth episode where they've built the story to this climax where you know she hulk goes on a rampage or, or no no it's it's prior to the moment where she goes on the rampage but basically the episode comes to an end but it keeps going right and it's jennifer walter's saying this feels like this is where the episode should end but uh i guess we're going to this uh award ceremony for jennifer walters so i guess the episode's going to keep going i wonder mm-hmm. if this is the part where they're going to you know introduce the twist are we going to get a red hulk or something like that yeah. even something like that was it just felt like it was you know feed that they were throwing to fans so you know fanboys so fanboys can be like she mentioned red hulk we might get a red hulk oh oh i love it when you do these do these funny imitation voices she of mentioned, fanboys she, she, she mentioned the red hulk <laughs> pepper just woke up all of a sudden <laughs> she, was, she was pretty freaked out by it i would be freaked out too so, you know, for people who follow the, the, the history of the Hulk, the Red Hulk was a, a, an era of the Hulk where he fought an evil Red Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pretty dumb era. It was Jeff Loeb idea, so understandably it's stupid. But I, I think it was something that was popular because the Red Hulk was around for a very long time. Yeah. Longer than I definitely would have liked. Pretty sure but, he's still around. I'm sure he's still around doing something. Who knows? Who cares? But <laughs> but yeah, like even something like that where this show didn't have to give in to fanboys, but it again, it understood what their bread and butter was. It understood who was at the, you know, who who the majority of their viewers were. So it kind of just, you know, gave them these little bits and pieces of of things that viewers could it felt like they were giving the viewers breadcrumbs but not giving them the full loaf yeah but i think here's the thing about the show i think no matter what they would have done they were going to get crapped on by these fans or these people and i think they knew that and they understood that so they gave them the breadcrumbs. They were like, if we're if that's the case, if if you're gonna hate us no matter what we do, just by the very way that we do this show, then we'll just give you the breadcrumbs just to say that we 
we tried and Mm -hmm. we're going to do the show our way. And that's really what they felt like, what it felt like they did. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's, that's your take on, on what we watched, but that's how I felt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I got, I got a couple things I want to say to, to reply to uh, your point about my take on the show. I agree with you. And I also would even go so far as to say that, they anticipated the the hate that they would get online. Yeah. I think that was pretty obvious because you know how toxic superhero fans can be. Yeah. Especially when it comes to these female characters. It's just going to draw out certain segments of the troll community. And so yeah. much of this entire series was about trolls and yeah. just the abusive kind of crap. They that... incorporated their commentary and their... Uh... Exactly take on this culture right exactly. into the show right down to the fact that they knew it almost felt like they knew what they were gonna how they were gonna react exactly exactly yeah. and and I, I think that was something that i really enjoyed and it, it really worked for me man like yeah. the idea of the show being this commentary on abusive trolls and you know these kind of far right or men's rights kinds of online groups yeah. It yeah, there there's something funny about that and how if if those people online, if those if the real life trolls actually watch the show, I mean I'm I'm sure they would be even more mad, you know, if they were smart enough to see themselves in it. Yeah. Well, I I have a feeling that there were enough of them that watched the show and they did get mad in the way that we predicted. Yeah. Because they looked at it That makes it, it even funnier. They, yeah, exactly, because the show essentially said, we knew you were going to act this way, and what did you do? You acted the way that we thought you did, that you exactly. would, and that's that's the joke. Exactly. You know? it, it's pretty funny, man. Yeah, like, it really did feel like a lot of the response revolving around the show was, oh, this is just more man-bashing or man-hating or stuff yeah. like that, right? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, like it's it's woke uh, uh progressivism that's trying to say something about men and you know uh uh of uh, the 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 what's it called the the fragile male ego or whatever right uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and but but that's the that's the that's the hilarious thing about their response is is well. If you didn't respond the way that you did, if you didn't have a fragile male ego, you wouldn't exactly. be butt hurt over these. Exactly, drugs. exactly. For you to watch this and then for you to, you know, make a movement out of it, like you're just proving them right. It right? reminds me of that beef between Common and Drake, where Common had a song. I don't remember how the beef started, but I do remember at some point, either early in the beef or during the beef, yeah. Common released a song, and in the song, he he made fun of those rappers who sing, and he was like, I'm not going to quote the entire line because I don't want to cuss, but he basically said, you know, you think you're Frank Sinatra going la la la, la la la, or something like that, right? And then yeah. uh, he didn't name anybody's name, but... I think there was a line in the song where it's like, if if you uh, if you if you feel this, then you'll 
be the one who's offended, right? Like, so basically he's saying that, you know who you are. I don't even have to say your name. And, yeah. And and then Drake, you know, recognized himself in the song. And <laughs> <laughs> he got mad. But I was going to say, I don't know Drake. who started the beef. I don't know much about this. I just know that Common was right. <laughs> Common destroyed him when they actually had diss tracks. When they wrote... When they wrote specific diss tracks, Common destroyed him. Drake sucks, dude. Yeah. <laughs> something, something, something Sprite. <laughs> Refresh your thirst. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I was going to say about the She-Hulk show and how you were discussing the fourth wall breaking yeah. in episode eight, I was going to say that when I first watched the first episode... I was actually kind of apprehensive because once once the character addressed the audience, I was like, "Oh crap, they're gonna t- do some John Byrne stuff." Uh huh. Like it it made my heart skip a beat because you know how much I hate John Byrne. You hate him with a passion. Yeah. 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 He he's worse than Drake. Yeah. I'm, I'd, I would rather listen to a Drake album than read a John Byrne comic. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. But but the show the show is way better than John Byrne ever did, you know? Cause, By far. Because when you read those John Byrne comics, I don't know if we... I don't remember uh, diving super deeply into the problem with Byrne's She-Hulk comics when we did that other episode. Because I think, I think we ended up just, like, talking about how much distaste we had for him as a person. Yeah. But... One of the things about his She-Hulk run that really didn't work was how hard he tried to uh, put the focus on She-Hulk's sexuality. And coming from him, it just felt super creepy. Because uh-huh. if, if you read his comics... Yeah, if you read his She-Hulk comics, so many of them end up with putting her in these situations where she ends up getting her clothes ripped or something. Yeah. And just exposing... Yeah more of her physical body to the yeah. reader. One of his it's, most famous storylines is about how tabloids got a, a picture, a nude photo of her, and mm-hmm. we're going to expose it to the world. And that was a storyline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, he loved stuff like that. Like, that was his idea of of humor, just this lame cheesecake He's fan a service kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's sophisticate. and then i I think in his mind he thought that if he had she hulk address the audience and comment on how silly or ridiculous the situation was then it would be okay you know like that because then it's like she's in on the joke making commentary about it right yeah yeah but that that's i don't know to me that's not very intelligent kind of humor like that's the kind of that, that just feels like trying to justify his desire to pander to people who like fan service in their comics. Yeah, yeah. And and a lot of his writing in She-Hulk was that kind of, that style of fourth wall breaking where it was... It was lowbrow. It was lowbrow. He was trying to be cute when it wasn't cute at all and was actually creepier than cute. So... I think when I first saw the show and I saw that they were going to do these fourth wall breaks, I was, yeah, definitely apprehensive. But fortunately, the show didn't devolve into 
the kind of nonsense yeah. that defined John John Burns' run. It took the gimmick of the fourth wall break, and instead of using it to tell pervy pervy sex jokes about how hot She-Hulk is, it used that uh, device mm-hmm. to actually make commentary about comics and about everything. You know, it, it mm-hmm. used it to make commentary about um, storytelling, you know, storytelling about gender, about uh toxic masculinity about uh you know toxic fandoms also mm-hmm. all sorts of things but it it was definitely used in a better way overall i think it's it's more than fair to say yeah yeah agree yeah. uh let's see yeah i want to talk about that a little bit too how at the very end of so we talked about how the show, for the most part, was a slice of life series where, um, you know, you had a bunch of different uh, episodes that tackled various elements of her life. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Well, OK, actually, before I, I track any further, was, was do you, I want to ask this. Do, was Was there any particular episode for you that, you know, uh, of the slice of life story variety that jumped out at you or you know something that resonated with you in particular Hmm. i think i was pretty captivated by all of these episodes like all of them Uh had highlights for me and i was if they didn't make me laugh every episode i was at least smiling or chuckling to myself yeah having fun with it if you if i had to pick one thing that jumps out immediately uh, as you asked me that question I think the the episode I don't remember which number episode it was, but the story where she ends up using the dating app for she nah. she uses her She Hulk identity on on the dating app and she just meets this string of guys and they're all like creepy in different ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's episode five. Mean, green, and straight poured into these jeans. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny title. Yeah. 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 No, that was a good episode where here here's the thought I had when I was watching this show. Uh there there was I, I did commit quite a bit of time to understanding or trying to understand at least for myself why people didn't like it beyond they just hate women or whatever. <laughs> um I do you, think you are a true social scientist, Albert. Yeah, people fascinate me because I hate them so much. Um, <laughs> I you you've never marveled at something that you just hated, and no, just spent right. time trying to figure out why you hate it so much, you're why right. it just seems to fail you so miserably so often and so yeah. consistently. <laughs> the stuff we hate is pretty fascinating, and that's why we study it. Yeah. One of the things that occurred to me was, I think this show straddling the line between being a quote-unquote superhero show and a slice-of-life show. Like, the fact that it's a slice-of-life show draped in the trappings of superhero show means that if we took away the elements of She-Hulk, if this really truly was just Ally McBeal, the kind of fans that would come to it because it's dressed as She-Hulk 
are these Marvel fanboy type of fans who want mm-hmm. the the spectacle and the smash em up and the beat em up stuff, right? And the but, stuff that connects and means something. Yeah, 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 exactly. But if they show up and they're watching for what is, for all intents and purposes, Ally McBeal or The Practice or something, and they didn't sign up for that, I think I could see why, like, it'd be a stupid reason to be upset, but I could at least understand that that's what's upsetting them, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Cause they're like, mm-hmm. I don't want to watch a show about a woman trying, you know, having relationship problems. Why do I want to watch that? You know, well, the answer to that is very simple. You don't have to watch it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go stick your head in a toilet. And just stop breathing. <laughs> Count to a hundred and then talk to me afterwards. <laughs> yeah, but that episode was pretty uh, moving stuff where, you know, she deals with signing up on this dating app and she doesn't get any dates as Jennifer Walters. And then she, you know, as an ego boost, she turns into the She-Hulk, but that could be a very easily a metaphor for just anyone who, you know, dolls themselves up, puts themselves back out on the app, and just to see what you can get. And even in spite of that, and, and I, I do think that if you put yourself in her shoes, it, it totally makes sense where when she's just trying to be herself, she's not necessarily getting... The attention that she wants but on the instance that she you know gussies herself up now she's getting all sorts of attention but it's just the worst kind of attention you know yeah yeah and like you know as a guy my problems on on dating apps and in dating in general are different right like i Mm -hmm. I can't say that i have her problems but I, i think there are a lot of guys who look at women's problems and they just go What's what's what sort of problem is that to have more options than none, right? Mm-hmm. But again, th- this is something that requires a little bit of empathy on your part, part, and uh, requires you to put yourself in their shoes and to realize that, yeah, they got their problems too. You know, it's not great being on that side of it mm-hmm. per se. Exactly. Um, everyone has problems. Uh, it, it's just life. That's just how tough it is. Uh, but yeah, the, the way that that story plays out is she eventually meets this dude. He seems like he's the perfect dude. And the next morning he wakes up and he sees her as Jennifer Walters and, and he's just not that into her. And then he leaves and it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty painful moment. And in the episode that follows up, uh, it's an episode where Titania sues, she-Hulk for copyright infringement because she was able to copyright the name She-Hulk before uh-huh. Jennifer Walters was. Another funny plot idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I thought it was a funny plot idea because, you know, so much of the origin of the concept of She-Hulk revolved around the fact that it was about securing the copyright for the name She-Hulk before uh, uh, this TV show could right mm-hmm. that's uh what life imitating art yeah art that's imitating. next level stuff man yeah but 
one of the things that she has to prove in this case is that she used the name She-Hulk consistently before this other person could copyright it, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and her evidence of that is, oh, I went on this dating app as She-Hulk and I dated all these guys. This is proof that I consistently use the name She-Hulk in my day-to-day life yeah. before Titania uh, copyrighted it. And what that required her to do was it required her to get all of her dates to come in and uh, basically testify on the stand. And, you know, it's it's a pretty terrible moment, but... It's humiliating. It's humiliating, right? Because she has to get these people to get on the stand and essentially talk about the date that they had with her. Mm-hmm. But the part that really, like, hurts is she gets the one guy, the the one dude that she thought was the perfect guy, he gets up on the stand, you know, and he was perfectly nice and charming when they were uh, on their date, but the guy just, he's up there and he's like, I dated her, and she, the the lawyer was, I forget what she said, but she said something to the effect of, if she was Jen Walters, would you go out with her? And he he said something like, she just wasn't my type. You know, yeah. and, yeah. you know, she Jen Walters was in her She-Hulk form, but you could the way that they did the CG where you just see her kind of shirk a little bit like I felt her pain, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it was just kind of this one really quick moment where she just kind of. I don't know if she did, I forget exactly what she did. It was like a half hearted smile and, you know, her her demeanor just kind of drops a little bit. But it was like. Ugh. You know? Yeah. 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 That was that, yeah, that was a good story where they were able to take <clears throat> that element of I don't know, it's just there's just something ironic about how it's the real frustration of dating. Yeah. You yeah. know? It's yes, that's it's, exactly what it is. It's, it's it's the frustration of dating just played out in a public sphere, you know, where yeah, everybody yeah. can kind of gawk and just be you know it's like looking at it's your most vulnerable moment on display for the world to see Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and like just having that and and that's something that all of us can relate to because it's the poison and toxic pill of what modern dating is is putting yourself in a position to be essentially judged by entire swaths of the population it's it's setting yourself up to deal with this consistent rejection right yeah yeah yeah, like i I guess that's the flip side of what it is it's like to date as a man right for because as a man when you date it's a lot of one-off rejection okay but for a woman and, you know, I don't know if she speaks for all women. I'm not going to presume that she does. But, you know, I can believe that there are a lot of women who suffer the same sort of rejection in the sense that you put yourself out there and you make yourself vulnerable and then you give yourself, you know, physically over to whoever you're with only to have them reject you. That, in my mind, when I imagine that is just as painful if not more painful you know mm-hmm. because now you're giving something else, something of yourself up that's outside of 
you know, it, it's again as a man, it's just about that that singular moment of rejection. But there's this added step of I gave this piece of my self in in intimacy in the form of intimacy to this person and they still rejected me you know yeah so that's even more personal in a lot of ways it is it is exactly exactly so yeah that was a pretty painful and moving uh uh story right there I, i thought it was really well done yeah, and I, I think the whole series is full of great little tidbits like that, where there's all these little bits of commentary about something in each episode that that jumps out. Even like the first episode where she finds her powers and basically spends the episode uh, talking to to Banner yeah. about how to use her powers and stuff. And you know, he he thinks that. He's literally written a binder full of notes about how to deal with being a Hulk. Yeah. And he's working under the presumption that, you know, she needs all this information and he's going to spend as much time as possible to prepare her for her new life. Mm-hmm. And it really turns out that she doesn't need it. There's there's something in there, I, I think, about yeah. that whole idea of, of mansplaining or just men uh, believing that they know everything that they need to you know teach women how to do something and uh clearly that that's not the case and yes it, it's it was simple and it wasn't i didn't think it was too hamfisted or anything it wasn't yeah. preachy it, but it it worked within the context of the characters and the story that was being told but it also worked as a piece of commentary you know yeah and, you know we we've we had our buddy Shanus talk about how to us offline about that first episode and, and he said that he didn't think that it was uh subtle or or whatever but i don't know in in my mind that was just drake reacting to common you know <laughs> <laughs> well i i wanted to talk about that first episode as well um there was something about that idea where I, I mean, I, I wanted to mention that I did notice that commentary on mansplaining and, uh, you know, what it's like to be condescended to by a man, mm-hmm. you know. But I did appreciate also how they incorporated that into her origin. Um, you know, the Hulk being a character whose powers are based on emotions, mm-hmm. it it's something that. I had never really seen in any of the other She-Hulk comics I had read, but it also made so much sense. And it almost felt like it almost made me slap my forehead to go, why didn't they ever like think of presenting it this way? You know, but it was the The whole, the idea of She-Hulk always having a normal amount of rage. Kind of. Yeah. Uh Well, it was the idea that, she-Hulk as a woman. So the way that they presented it in the show... Okay, uh, I feel like there's a lot to say about this, but the way that they presented it in the show was she was essentially telling the Hulk that as a woman, I'm I'm in a position where I'm constantly having to be in control of my emotions because at, at 
best when I act out on my emotions. Uh, I'm not taken seriously. At worst, like I'm murdered, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's that idea that the way that it was presented in the show, it might have been done for 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 a joke or whatever, but the way that she put it, it yeah, the way that she put it was, oh, so I'm better than you because, you know, I have this emotional control, right? Yeah. This this idea that, oh, I have this emotion control and that's what makes me better. And they they play with that. And I accept that as a joke. It's not something that I insist is a great joke or whatever. It's something you can give, uh, you know, take or leave. Fine, whatever, right? But I just thought the concept that as a woman, Hulk, there's a way that she exists and a dynamic that she has with her emotions that just isn't present or, or yeah, just isn't present with a man Hulk, right? Mm -hmm. and the idea (laughs) well yeah (laughs) a (laughs) he-hulk trademark albert lamb (laughs) but uh yeah that i i thought that was an element that i hadn't seen before and i thought that was a pretty clever way to incorporate it but i could definitely hear all the all the raging fanboys going they said that she's better than he is. How dare they? <laughs> you know? Like, it's just... It's so stupid, you know? Like, yeah. if you just took the time out to listen to what's actually being said and to consider, like, what the ramifications of that are, as opposed to just... There's nothing offensive you know, about it. Yeah, instead of just stomping your feet and and being mad at the idea that, how dare they infer or imply that a she-hulk is better than a he-hulk <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah super silly super silly it is it is the other episode that i wanted to discuss that you know uh that i thought was really good was actually the retreat and mm. it's it actually follows up with uh the the you know the dating storyline that she goes through because in this episode what ends up happening is she ends up she ends up meeting a guy a guy that likes her for her right or mm-hmm. you know she presumes you have a montage of them going on a bunch of fun dates and their relationship yep. progressing you know and she's all smiles and everything and then yep. seems to ghost her after they sleep together yeah and like that's like everything seems to be going well and then it's it's basically a, an episode about her dealing with the fact that she gets ghosted. Yeah. And it's a really simple premise, but that's something that really hit home with me too, you know, watching yeah. it. I was like and and the entire episode starts, you know, what what ends up happening is she gets a call about Emil Blonsky, the abomination, and there's a chance that he's uh what's the word? He's um He's there crossed his parole. Yeah, there was something yeah. about the uh, inhibitor, transceiver, the ankle yeah. transceiver that that might have. It's either a malfunction or he's turning into the abomination again. Yeah. So she has to go out. So even though she's going through this emotional thing, she has to go out to this commune that he's essentially started to go check in on him because she was his lawyer. She represented him, and if he's turning into the abomination and causing mayhem, 
it's her responsibility. She has to take responsibility for it, right? Mm-hmm. So she goes out there to this commune and the whole time she's obsessing over her phone. She's waiting for this guy to like text her and, you know, acknowledge her. And while she's up there, she meets all these random supervillains. And what ends up happening is while she's uh, while she's there, they trash her car. So she's she ends up being trapped up there with, with no signal. And she's just obsessing over this the whole time. They and accidentally then they, trash her car. Yeah, accidentally trash her car, yeah. And then what they end up what ends up happening is they end up having a therapy session and talking to her and helping her accept the fact that this guy probably just ghosted her. Yeah. And you know, that she doesn't derive value from this one dude, you know, and that Mm -hmm. she's better off without that. And I, I thought that was that was great stuff. That's great advice for everyone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That was a, a really good episode. I'm looking at the credits on Wikipedia, and that was an episode written by Zeb Wells. Nice. Nice. That's the, – the thing that's funny about that, though, is um, if you watch the episode that Jessica Gao did on uh, Pickle Rick – there's actually a lot of parallels between those two because like it it was an episode written by Zeb Wells but Jessica Gao is like the showrunner on this, right? I believe so. I don't yeah. know if that's the official title but that's the impression I got. Yeah. So the the plot of Pickle Rick was again, I mentioned it earlier uh in the episode but Rick turns himself into a pickle because he wants to avoid going to therapy with his family. So the A story is about him. It's basically him living out die hard in this uh, facility where he has to kill these like Eastern European uh, mobsters or whatever. Uh And then all the whole while his family has gone to therapy and they're, you know, kind of working out their troubles. And by the end of it, he, he comes he ends up going to to be with his family because they have the serum that will turn him back from an anthropomorphic pickle back into his human form. And so he has no choice but to be there with this therapist. And, you know, the therapist essentially takes takes this. The therapist essentially takes the smartest man in the world and takes him down a notch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's. It's just great that both of these episodes revolved around uh, the main therapy. characters going to therapy and, I guess, having these pretty profound revelations about themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I thought that was a really good episode. That Yeah, I like that episode, too. Shout-outs yeah. to all of the obscure supervillains that were depicted in the episode. I particularly thought it was funny to see Saracen. Yeah, in, in the show, because when <laughs> when I think of Saracen, I think of that Marvel series two card from the early '90s from our youth. Yeah, and that Saracen was an enemy of the Punisher. He was the Punisher's Oriental adversary. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he was a yellow menace, man. <laughs> I thought he was. He might have been Southeast, Middle Eastern, or something. I wasn't entirely clear what his ethnicity was. Okay, okay. All that's important was he was of 
some some foreign ethnicity that the Punisher could kill with impunity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's funny that they gave him a card because if yeah. you read the back of his card, I just looked this up earlier, either yesterday or today. Yeah. But the back of his card, you know, it's got a bio of the character and it says something like how Saracen is one of the Punisher's greatest enemies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. funny what people were thinking. The people it who really made the guards the guy in up. 1991, yeah. they... uh. Definitely overestimated the lasting power of Saracen. We never saw him again. Yeah. I don't think I even saw him the first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then I looked up Saracen on online and I discovered that there were actually two Saracens and the second Saracen is a vampire that first appeared in a Blade comic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, there was also the porcupine. He was in there. I thought he kind of had a cool costume. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty good costume. Yeah. There's also uh, the wrecker of the wrecking crew. The wrecking crew showed up in their, you know. That was a nice little Easter four. egg. Yeah, all four of them yeah. showed up in at the end of one episode when they tried to attack Jennifer Walters, and I thought that was a pretty hilarious way of depicting the wrecking crew. In the comics, they're always getting beat up by somebody. They're always yeah. these super strong, tough villains who are supposed to, uh, you know, they're supposed to fight Thor. But, they were kind of shrimpy dudes. <laughs> yeah, they in the comics they're, they're all these jobbers anyway. Like they end yeah. up, anytime you read a superhero Marvel comic and the characters need to beat someone up, it's always it's almost always the wrecking crew. Yeah. And yeah. then to see them show up in this show and they were just these average looking dudes. They weren't even like bodybuilders or or you know, yeah. they didn't have massive physiques. They just had the uh they were just you know, kind of regular cut dudes yeah yeah it, it was funny man and they yeah. they got their butts kicked in in pretty hilarious fashion yeah yeah i enjoyed it it was good man it was a good uh easter egg i loved it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that was a really good episode um i i, I kind of wanted to go into some of the other i wanted to go into the last episode is, is that cool yeah yeah okay so one of the things that we talked about leading up to the series was that early on it really felt like a slice of life uh but towards the end what they ended up doing was they really did i guess they had sprinkled little hints throughout and what they actually did when you finally get to the end is they revealed that there was a hateful group of online cyber trolls who were trying to ruin she-Hulk. And the the funny thing is that the website was called the Intelligentsia, which is a group of uh in the comics they were a group of supervillains led by the leader who was you know he's one of the more prominent Hulk villains. Mm. So I'm pretty sure fanboys were expecting to find that the leader was the big bad behind the oh, series. I forgot about that. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, it was it was the leader. Uh, Modoc, uh, Red Ghost, and I think some other scientist type villains. Okay, okay, but yeah, their version of the intelligentsia was basically just online. Uh, it was just an online trolls who coalesced over their hatred of the fact that you know how dare she Hulk be a woman, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And that whole sequence when Pug goes into the cabin and meets all these other guys and yeah 
and uh, his in his earpiece, Nikki is telling him what to say to fit in. <laughs> that yeah. was pretty funny. Yeah, just spewing, you know, basically the same one-dimensional talking points that you would hear, like nepotism, and I bet she slept her way to the top. I bet that's how she got her job. Stuff like that, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like up to that point in, or up to the point in episode eight, or maybe even before that, maybe like episode seven, it felt like every episode was just kind of this one-off, like this is what her life is like. But it, once you get to the second half of the show, it, it clearly becomes this thing where, oh, it does sort of have this formula where there is this threat, this looming threat for She-Hulk that exists. And I'll admit, when we get to the final reveal and She-Hulk shows up at the compound and, Mm -hmm. you know, Abomination is there and the douchebag, one of the douchebags she dates turns out to be the leader of the intelligentsia. And, like, I rolled my eyes because I was, I really, there was really a part of me that was like, oh, man, they just... They were so close to getting it right, and they just ended up devolving into the episode, into just another Marvel show, you know? Mm-hmm. And and then all of a sudden, the Hulk shows up, and he's, like, trading punches with uh, the Abomination. And yeah. then, all of a sudden, it all freezes. Yeah. And, and we go back to the, like, the Disney Plus uh, menu page, and She-Hulk breaks the fourth wall. And she pops out of the menu and she goes to the Disney Plus studio where the show is being filmed. And she goes, I want to talk to Kevin, you know, the, the person <laughs> who's in charge of, you know, how these Kevin shows are Feige. made. Is that how you pronounce yeah. the name? I keep forgetting. Uh, Feige, Feige. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, it's, we, we all know who you're talking about, right? He's Kevin. Yeah, he's Kevin. And she eventually meets kevin and kevin turns out to be this all all-knowing robot that curates the marvel universe and she has a discussion about why the show has to be this way why does it have to be why do we have to have this fight why does it have to end like this and she convinces kevin into doing the show her way when i saw that oh man i there was a part of me that my head became that emoji where my head explodes, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I love that part, man. That's the kind of thing that would make me want to, if I met the people who came up with that, I would want to give them some dap, you know? Yeah. It's like, good job on that one, you know? Cause like the way that episode starts, it totally looks like it's going to devolve into your typical MCU nonsense. Yeah. Cause I feel like every time we do one of these autopsies, we always talk about how in the final act of the movie or the show, it just devolves into a bunch of CG stuff. Lasers and punching, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. okay, I, once that dude injected himself with the Hulk serum and started hulking out, I was thinking, okay, so I'm guessing all these other people in the room are going to get these syringes and it's just going to be a massive brawl between all these Hulks. Yeah. But... They, it's it's like the people. I rolled my eyes, man. I rolled yeah. my eyes when I yeah. thought that was the direction they were going, and I was like, man. <laughs> I know it's like they did they did eight episodes of this really fun 
social commentary sat satire almost kind of sitcom yep and all of a sudden they're just going to devolve into your your standard paint by numbers mcu what a painful junk. way to end it yeah know? yeah and then once they did that pause it was like oh okay you guys know the joke too <laughs> yeah something's happening yeah right like i remember so up to that point the hulk was up in space too so they the Hulk in space, appears. and then all of a sudden he's right there punching the abomination. Yeah, and then <laughs> like, Titania what? shows up. It's like, how did she get there? Yeah, it it really just felt overly absurd. And had they decided to commit to that ending, I would have lost a lot of respect for them because I was just like, that was so over the top, so absurd. You could tell that they were just feeding garbage to swine at this point because. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they were just giving them what they want so that they could check the boxes and say, okay, we did our due diligence in making this a Marvel show. Mm -hmm. But to have that fourth wall break and to have She-Hulk, you know, go into this conversation where she says, I don't want to punch these people. I want to find another way. And then to have Kevin say, okay, we'll do it your way and reinsert her into the show. Mm -hmm. Minus the battle, what she, what ends up happening is uh, I forget the dude's name. Who's the leader of the intelligentsia? Uh, Todd, I think. I think. Yeah, this Todd. Todd guy, right? This Todd troll guy. She just goes, yeah. At, the last time we saw him, he was injecting himself with that Hulk formula, and he was just becoming a Hulk douche. Yeah, come at me, bro. Yeah, yeah. Total. He was a total uh, caricature of a character, right? But now. Uh, the the battle ends up in daylight. Uh, She-Hulk just grabs this guy and she says, I'm going to see you in court. You know, because the, the, the plot actually, what ends up happening with her is um, the dude that ghosted her was actually someone hired by Todd to basically seduce her and then... Steal her uh, blood. Steal her blood, but on top of that, uh get video footage of her in her most intimate private moments and like post it up on the world which was you know what is that like revenge porn basically mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and which which is a real serious thing that people do to other people and it's super messed up when they do that so for them to like address that in the show was kind of interesting too to like incorporate that as the thing that sets her off but she basically gets him in the end without having this big battle. And she says, I'm going to see you in court for like, you know, violating my privacy. Mm -hmm. And, and with the abomination, she goes, I don't even want to fight him. I just want him to take accountability for his actions. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. and yeah. And that entire last scene doesn't end up in a fight. And we see them have this dinner and, how the ending actually plays out is in the end credit scene uh, that we described where you can see that the court case went through and you take it on faith that Todd loses and uh, Abomination ends up going back to prison and accepting the fact that he broke his parole, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like, and then what and an Daredevil ending. shows up because just cause she wanted him to. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a crazy ending though. Right. Like, it was beautiful, man. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. 
for them to to subvert our expectations and to say, look, I ex- we know that you've seen enough of these Marvel shows now that what you're expecting is to have, again, this just big brawl that we can spend all our money on so that you can just kind of sit there and drool as you watch all these people fight. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to, to step outside of that and say, no, we don't have to do that this way. Like these stories don't have to be this way. We can tell story like She-Hulk doesn't use her strength. She uses her knowledge of the law to, she uses her natural talents as a lawyer to, to, to get justice, her yeah. intellect to get justice. Like that's fantastic. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely a creative way to end the series. Yeah. Yeah. Just anytime, anytime you can do something to surprise the audience in these kind of stories, man, I, I really do appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. It's this, this series was truly a pleasant surprise to me. You know? Yeah. And I I think it's a shame that there are people who watch it and who say things like it's not a particularly good law show and it's not a particularly good superhero show. <laughs> you know? If if that's the extent of their takeaway, it it's I think it's a shame. Yeah, I mean maybe it's not an accurate law show. I'm not a lawyer and I haven't really yeah. spent too much time in court, so uh, you know, just based on common sense, I would assume that the depictions of the law firm are heavily fictionalized in the mm. show for the sake of drama and storytelling, yeah. and comedy. So I, I, even... I, I don't look at this show and, and be like, I'm not going to look at it and, and expect a realistic depiction of legal proceedings or yeah, how yeah. lawyers work and stuff, right? Yeah. Like, I, f- I feel like that would be expecting the show to be something that realistically speaking you you shouldn't expect it to be like that yeah i was gonna say the same thing like i i don't even though so much of it is draped in the trappings of a law show like i i don't actually think that's the angle like the the law stuff isn't necessarily the stuff that's that's what's it's not necessarily the stuff that's keeping me uh that keeps me coming back to the show you know exactly exactly like as a device it works to like illustrate certain points and uh and that's fine but like i wouldn't recommend this to someone on the basis of the fact that oh man this is you ever want to see uh uh superman meets uh you know csi or something well there you go (laughs) or law and order or something well there you go like that's 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 not how i would sell it and, this is Wonder Woman meets Judge Judy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like I, I don't think that that's the way into it. It really isn't. It it's, it just yeah, it's not. It's a convenient way for them to. It's a convenient set piece, I guess. Uh, it it works as a set piece, but I don't, it's not the primary focal point of the show. By yeah, any means. yeah, it's not. And yeah. as a superhero show, this does work for me as a superhero show because. I like superhero stories that are different from your standard paint by numbers, middle of the road, jobber crap. You know, like we we've read so many superhero comics in our lifetimes that we recognize 
bland superhero comics or stories when we see them. Mm. And we don't really need any more of those. Yeah. Yeah. So any kind of risk that a superhero comic or show or movie takes, yeah, I, th- I think it's worth it, man. Like, try to do something different because we don't always yeah. want to see the same formula at play every single time. Yeah. I mean, I'm, it, I'm not even saying that I'm completely against the formula because with the proper execution, the formula can be... Fine. absolutely absolutely but we don't always need the formula you know like it it's great to try to do something different and i i appreciate that and i respect it and in this yeah. case i really really liked it I, yeah maybe i'll even say i love it man i loved it yeah it's this the, the one thought that i had at the end of the series was there was a part of me that wondered if they if the 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 attitude that they took when they were making this show was we don't know if we're going to get a season two we don't know if we're going to really do anything anymore with this this might be the only chance we get to tell this story so we're just going to do it our way go all out don't hold back yeah yeah and like anytime anyone does that i i definitely have more respect for that you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's again it's unfortunate that this might be a scenario uh, or a situation where, like, the the trolls and the haters may find a way to convince, like, even the most middle-of-the-road, uh, just, you know, middle-of-the-road standard just MCU observers that, mm-hmm. you know, this is something that's bad because... It's not about anything, and it doesn't reward your comic book appreciation, and it's you know has too much to say about women and men and toxic men and uh, you know toxic internet culture. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just wish that people would actually sit through it and really think about what it has to say and what it's you know, how it's present, presenting these things in a way that's different from your standard shows, you know? Yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah. Do you think there are any viewers out there who watched the series and were perplexed by the ending? Oh, yeah. I, I remember watching the ending, and my first thought was, I bet a lot of people hated this. Yeah, <laughs> that was my first thought was I bet a lot of people hated this uh, like they were confused by it or they didn't get what was going on. But like, do you uh, think there are people out there who watch this and now are are like, hey, if she can step outside of the fourth wall and talk to the to Kevin, then isn't she more powerful than Thanos or whatever? You know, <laughs> there I'm sure there's some idiot that thinks that. <laughs> Hey, you know what the funny like, thing is? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, they came out with that Deadpool movie, and that's that's a far less uh, uh, substantive film than this is, right? Mm-hmm. But that was something that I think was commercially successful, and, you know, fanboys definitely loved it, whatever, right? Yeah. But 
that was something where they took that convention uh, or that device of breaking that fourth wall. So you would think that the audiences would be somewhat prepared for that. But yeah, but but Deadpool was a man. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, but there we go. I mean, like that shows how much faith I have in them uh to understand that, right? Right. I I which is to say I don't have any faith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure somebody out there is complaining that this is worse than Deadpool because Deadpool never talked to the writer of the show to rewrite the ending in the middle Probably. of the, you know, yeah. Well, Deadpool swore and he had guns and he like chopped people up and, you know, viciously and savagely murdered people. So that makes him cool. So that's okay, <laughs> right. I guess. You know what this ending <laughs> also makes me think of? And I don't know if it was wholly intentional or if the people yeah. writing it had this in mind. But Grant Morrison's last issue of Animal Man. Yeah. That's a... Uh, I, I hadn't thought about it until you mentioned it, but I could see that. Yeah. You so know? For, for all you listeners, spoiler alert for the last issue of, you know, a 30-something-year-old comic. Yeah. But in the last issue of grant morrison's animal man animal man literally meets grant morrison the writer of his comic he meets and, god his yeah. god <laughs> yeah it is, it's literally grant morrison and animal man talks to him about all the all these horrible things that he's been put through in the stories the past few issues and through this conversation like basically what ends up happening at the end is that the death of his family gets undone and he gets an animal man gets this happy ending after talking to his writer. Yeah. But something like that, I feel like it's, that's such a, a touchstone in superhero comics that it, it feels like anytime I see something like that in another superhero story. So even in this show, I feel like they have to be aware of that, you know, because Maybe it's possible I have an overinflated uh, view of the importance of Animal Man number 26. Uh -huh. But considering that someone like Zeb Wells worked on this show, I got to. Oh, he'd that, have to know it. Yeah, I, I got to assume that yeah. they knew, you know. It'd be funny if he was like, issue. what's Animal Man? Who's yeah. Grant Morrison? Yeah. <laughs> that would be that would be super shocking. That would be more of a I've never heard of that guy surprise. in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this last episode also gave me some Animal Man vibes. How she essentially met her maker, or at least the AI formula that runs the MCU, uh -huh. and was able to convince it into giving her this happy ending yeah yeah right and i i i can also imagine that there are people who might be upset at the fact that all all of the even even if the ending comes the happy ending comes to jennifer walters because in the end credit sequence where they show the guy you know going to court and losing his case 
right? Mm-hmm. I can imagine that there are people who are upset at the fact that you don't actually see that play out in in like a actual court case or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. It, it's it, again, it's it's the same thing that I was saying about her origin, where it kind of doesn't matter, you know, like the journey to get to that point was what mattered exactly and and all we need to know is that all was right in the universe by the end of it you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and i don't need to see uh an actual court case play out where someone goes todd you're guilty throw the book at him dano (laughs) (laughs) book him dano whatever and then the <laughs> knocking on the gavel and all that. And then it's like, take him away, you know, and <laughs> slap his balls. <laughs> I don't need all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It was a, uh, it was good, man. Yeah. Did you want to talk about, I, I feel like there are some, uh, I guess, Easter eggs that, some of the other fans would feel are is the highlight of the show or the part that's worth talking about, but it's it's the stuff that we actually talked about the least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess we 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 gotta acknowledge it, but you know, Daredevil makes a cameo appearance here, and I guess that's their one big moment of uh, you know, capitulating to fandom. Even right? even more than a cameo, he. He had a guest star role in a full episode. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Yeah. Yeah. But personally, I think I don't think that that episode was bad, that whole Leapfrog episode, but it's definitely not one of the ones that meant as much to me as the other episodes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you feel the same way. Uh, I think I mean, I... it was... Fu- yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. I I didn't yeah. think that it, it was a lackluster episode in comparison to the others. Yeah. But I it was fun seeing Daredevil, but I don't yeah. think it was the most important thing to me about that epi- about the series, you know. Yeah, I mean, I've seen someone online trash She-Hulk saying that it was a horrible show, but that one episode had Daredevil, and that episode was great because it had Daredevil in it. <laughs> See, like, but that's the thing. I have a feeling that that's a more common uh, sentiment than yeah, than not, exactly. You know, exactly. Like, a whole bunch of people are just like, it had Daredevil. That made it worth it. Or you know, I could just watch that one episode or some stupid garbage like that. Yeah, it's like <laughs> how simple these people are. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, it's it's pretty pathetic. Yeah. I did enjoy seeing Daredevil in that episode. It's funny. The yellow costume Leapfrog. was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. The uh Yeah, the classic style. Yeah. It it actually I actually think it looked cooler in the live action version than it does on the comic book page cuz yeah. Anytime you see that old costume in It's comics, pretty gaudy. It's very gaudy. It's it's just garish and the. the I never thought that they would make it work, but they found a way to make it work. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I think just by by dimming the the colors, it yeah Yeah. it it made all the difference. So yeah, be interesting to see if they ever bring that look back in the comics. 
Yeah. In fact, I'm kind of curious as to why they went with that at all. Uh, but hey, it's 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 a choice, man. Yeah, I guess they just yeah. wanted to do something different. That's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Daredevil is supposed to come back in the future. He's supposed to have a net, own uh, Disney Plus series, right? Yeah, yeah. And I believe they're even subtitling it. Born, Born again. again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, come to think of it. The way that the series ends, uh, yeah, it really does feel like it's like you said. She she talks to her her maker and she really gets this ending. But you know, if you're really gonna think of it about it in terms of continuity, I, I doubt any of the some I, I doubt some of the bigger things really gets realized uh, in outside of this series. Cause yeah, it's like can you just imagine? uh when when uh phase six culminates and everybody's fighting kang uh you know he's he's doing all this time stuff and just messing everybody up and then all of a sudden jen walters is like time out looks at the screen looks at this camera and, says, time out, and then just <laughs> right. you know jumps out of the theater and and you see her go to the studio and she's like hey we just got to stop kang <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then just cuts to an unconscious kang on the ground <laughs> And credits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I kind of doubt that's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be hilarious if it did, but yeah. I just kind of doubt it. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say like, there's something about how the series ends, and uh, you know, it ends with uh, Hulk and Scar and all of the the Banner family, uh, you know, all the relatives hanging out, and Jen is there with. Matt Murdock, Daredevil, you mm-hmm. know, the implication being that they've gotten kind of close to each other, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I don't I don't know that that survives outside of this series. Uh, like, it really does feel like She-Hulk, the show, is just this, uh, aside from the little bits that they'll take out and, you know, cherry pick for the larger MCU, it really does feel like it's going to exist in this microcosm. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. which I'm I'm trying to imagine how they would do a, a born again adaptation exactly She Hulk in the picture like if she was in a, actually in a relationship with like I'm pretty sure she could just kill the kingpin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well she wouldn't have mind, to she wouldn't have to mind. break the fourth wall for that either. <laughs> but, but then Albert, remember the kingpin survived getting blown up in uh, Hawkeye. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So he he could be tougher than you think, man. Yeah. Uh, what was the other thing I was gonna say? It was um, oh man, it was right on the tip of my brain. But uh, don't worry, man. You'll wake up tomorrow and remember. That's the worst. <laughs> and then I'll just be like, <laughs> I wanted to talk about that so bad too. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, but. The show ends well. Okay, we, we can talk about this other thing until it comes back to me. How about how about that? Yeah, what you got? Uh, one of the other things that I liked about it was the abomination, Emo Blonsky, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the last time we see him, he's he's kind of a pretty typical Hulk villain, or he's a typical supervillain villain, you know, in, in that he's just evil because he's evil, right? Mm-hmm. And this version of Emo Blonsky, I was not expecting that at all. 
Cause yeah, it's like the whole time you're kind of expecting him to turn out to be the ultimate villain. Like he, this can't possibly be real, right? Like he can't possibly have just found some new age spiritual thing that makes him want to. He can't have found his peace. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And even during that therapy episode, I was in the back of my mind. I was just waiting for something nefarious to be revealed. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh, like uh-huh. he's he's really there to recruit a group of thugs to kind of do his bidding but it, it you know that that wasn't the case yeah it, it's funny how they they kind of play with those sort of expectations yeah yeah right and again at at the end the revelation is he is turning into the abomination but what he's doing is he's doing it for the money he's he's yeah. essentially become a, a circus act well, I was going to say he's he's become uh what are those called? Like a motivational like a speaker? Motivational speaker, exactly. He's yeah. become a motivational speaker for this group of incels and uh online trolls trying to teach them about what it means to be a man or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and She-Hulk shows up and he's like his first reaction isn't to like attack her. He goes he literally says, "It's not what you think. I'm just doing this for the money." You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like even in that moment when he's doing this evil thing, it's it's not really that evil because <laughs> yeah. he's just taking money from dicks. Exactly. <laughs> you know. And then, yeah, for for that whole thing to end with him going, uh, with She Hulk just going, I just want him to take accountability for what he did, instead of there being this huge fight. And and he does. He 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 concedes. He accepts his uh guilt and he goes back to jail willingly and then in the post credit scene Wong yeah. breaks him out <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, good old okay. Wong. gotta gotta give a shout out to our boy wong our fellow asian <laughs> brother there we go i was gonna say one other thing uh, i remember what the thing was now so that scene at the end where uh jen walters was with daredevil i remember when the news broke about that I was, uh, or, or, or not even that, but uh, in the previous episode where Jen Walters, you know, makes sweet, sweet love to Matt Murdock. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, I was in New York and a friend of mine there, he, he was, he's one of those guys that complains about She-Hulk and, you know, uh, has things to say about what he thinks the show is trying to say, you know? He's Wait, one of those this, people. Is this uh, a euphemism for him being <clears throat> mad at the woke agenda? Uh, Yeah, I'd say so. Like, oh, okay. he's, he's not someone that has uh, 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 a special fondness for, for, for this show, okay? Uh-huh. But one of the things that he, he... Like, I was just kind of... Uh, laying there minding my own business and he 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 went out of his way to to bring this to my attention and it it felt like it seemed like he was upset about it and it even now it perplexes me why but he was like did did daredevil really sleep with she-hulk like can you believe that they did that? Like that—that that was genuinely his like response to me, and I was just like, "Did well, Daredevil really do that?" 
But that's the thing. He was like, did that happen in the comics? And my, my first reaction was, does it matter if it happened in the comics? <laughs> and then my second thought was, even if they did it for the show, like, what what's the big deal? <laughs> like, <laughs> like <laughs> two fictional characters um, made love with one another. Like, I, I don't understand why that's something that's upsetting at all. <laughs> it really was lost on me. Like, I'm still... I'm still perplexed by it right now. <laughs> so what did you say to him? Like, the only thing I could say was, I guess Matt Murdock is kind of a hoe in the comics, so he he gets around, and, you know, She-Hulk has had, you know, lovers as well, so I I don't really know what else to tell you. <laughs> That's, how, that was how did literally your friend react all I could to that say. News? Huh? So how'd your friend react when you told him that? Uh... I guess the only thing that I could, the only way I could describe it is, it was kind of a, a throwing up with the hands. So, what was his problem with their relationship? I really don't know. I still don't know. I don't get it. I don't get yeah. why it was something he felt, uh, you know, especially offended by. <laughs> I really because we're we're kind of too late to. You know, we're we're way past that point where we have to expect the MCU to be beholden to the comics. Yeah, yeah. So it, it feels weird to be. I I really don't know. Like it's it's bewildering to me as well. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds like of of all the things that he wanted to pick apart about that show, like for that to be the thing that he he felt that he needed to you know, to bring to my attention, I, I, I really had no clue. <laughs> we should ask him after we get off this recording and, and, you know, get to the bottom of this conundrum. I would, but I just hate generally having conversations with him about any kind of entertainment. It's tedious. It's tedious. It's tedious. Like, He's my friend, but I'm at I'm certainly at a point in my life where it's just like, look, you enjoy what you enjoy and I'll enjoy what I enjoy. We don't have to we don't have to discuss these things. Like there's far more other things that we can talk about where <laughs> I don't feel like I've got a nerve that's about to explode in the back of my eye. <laughs> Sounds like he just if he's interested in talking to you about She-Hulk, you can always just make him listen to our podcast. Seriously, seriously. <laughs> I uh ugh. yeah. <sighs> Did that other thing that you were trying to think of pop up? No, that was mind? the thing. That was the oh, thing okay. that I wanted to that I was thinking of. That that one anecdote. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. Did you have any other thoughts or were there any other uh, moments or things that, you know, really jumped out at you or meant anything to you? Uh, I think we hit on all the big points, all the various bits of commentary on the toxic masculinity, the abuse of trolls, yeah. themselves in the far right, even the, the commentary on the MCU formula. Like, yeah. I feel like... We touched all those things, and those were probably the things that 
those were the things yeah those were the things that were the most worthy of discussion yeah absolutely yeah yeah i think the jokes in the different episodes that highlighted those elements well huh oh no no keep going keep going oh i was just gonna say maybe they didn't make me like cry laughing out loud or anything but yeah very least i i appreciated the humor man like comedy is a tough thing it's it's uh it's hit or miss yeah yeah everybody's funny bone resonates to different things so um yeah it's it but i I think with comedy it's more about the hit rate yeah you know just like the success percentage of of the jokes landing more than they fail to land and i i think this show has a pretty good hit rate for my sensibilities because i i enjoyed the humor i enjoyed the yeah slice of life elements the character building uh a lot of the little details too that don't really matter in the big scheme of things but i still enjoy as part of the show like her she hulk's family like who would have guessed that there'd be a you know a marvel series where they've they've got such a wholesome family you know it's like yeah she had no no real issues or problems they were just like regular kind folks you know yeah Yeah. pretty amusing and and just fun to see um the the little conversations they had at the at the very last episode when they were having that that uh that meal together and everybody was kind of grilling matt murdoch that that made me laugh man like there was something yeah something uh very believable about that whole scene yeah well yeah yeah i i can see that i was gonna say that in terms of the comedy like i don't know i i hope that people are able to view the comedy through the lens of a vacuum in the sense that take yourself out of whatever you know message you think it's trying to say and just enjoy it for what it is you know instead of yeah projecting whatever uh you know viewpoints or stance that you think you're trying to defend right and just enjoy it for what it is you know like the idea that there is a character who's a douchebag in there is some sort of attack on the male ego or it's it's a cheap joke because it's a cheap shot on you know fragile male egos or something like that it's it's like it's like have you, you think, met real douchebags in real life yeah <laughs> if you think that's a cheap joke or a cheap shot yeah then maybe you need to reevaluate yourself exactly it's like again ever... I, I just got to go back to common and drake man don't yeah. be drake yeah don't be drake if you yeah if you feeling offended by the joke then you're supposed to be offended yeah it's doing it you're that time. guy <laughs> yeah you're that guy you're drake yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be Drake. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if again, like, have you met real douchebags in real life? Is that someone you really want to defend? <laughs> like, that person's entire existence is a joke. Like, yeah. that person deserves to be mocked. Like, there's no part of me that thinks that there's any redeeming value in this dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not even about this person's, like, 
treatment of women, which I'm sure is abhorrent, but this person's general treatment of other people in general, like, if this person, if this person, if you took out the fact that they were, they they weren't so selfish and uh, uh, self-centered, like, I I mean, if you just added the 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 fact that if you just added the element of violence, they'd be a sociopath is what I'm trying to say, yeah. you know? So is this really someone that you want to defend? Is this really the kind of behavior that you find admirable? <laughs> we should all be laughing at this, this person, <laughs> but okay. Maybe it's a uh, low hanging fruit. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> it's still not something to be upset about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, there we go. Oh, yeah, you know, one thing we didn't talk about quite as much is Titania, her depiction in the show. We didn't. Um, I enjoyed how they made her this social media influencer. <laughs> like, that was a pretty funny interpretation of Titania, because in the comics, she's just another super strong woman who can go toe-to-toe with She-Hulk, so they just get into these physical battles. Yeah, she and... feels like she's a wrestler, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And turning her into this social media influencer who's out to mess with She-Hulk in these, you know, in ways that are just different from knocking her out. Yeah. It, it was it's it's funny, man. Yeah. It was a pretty funny way to treat the character. It Yeah. I, I certainly have no respect for social media influencers, so anytime you have a character who's aspiration or goal in life is to be a social media influencer and takes pride in that like i laugh at that man that's that's just an inherently (laughs) funny concept yeah yeah and i did think it was funny in that wedding fight where she slipped and tripped and like messed up her front teeth yeah (laughs) that was pretty funny (laughs) it was man it was yeah it's a simple gag but a very effective one yeah, but that's yeah. my kind of slapstick humor. For sure, for sure. Well, I I feel like uh, we've exhausted all of the praise that we have had uh, for the show. Uh, for yeah, you got anything else? Uh, not much, unless you want to talk about things that you didn't like about it. I honestly. There really wasn't much that I didn't like about it. I don't think even the one thing that I thought I did uh, hate about it or that I thought I was going to not like about it ended up being, you know, a rug pull for the real ending. So, yeah, (laughs) which was great. Yeah. See, you can laugh at yourself. (laughs) Why can't more people be like Albert why can't more people laugh at themselves? Uh, I don't know. Over insa- overinflated ego. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. All right. Well, if anyone has any uh, contributions that they want to make in terms of uh, comments about the show, like, yeah, feel free to you know DM us on our Instagram between the gutters. Feel free to hit us up on our Gmail between the gutters podcast at gmail.com or, you know, tweet at us at uh, between the gutters 
we'd uh, love to hear what your thoughts are on it. We hope. Uh, hello. Oh. Yeah. Uh, you just got cut off for me when once you were saying uh, tweet at us. Oh yeah. <clears throat> well, tweet at us at uh, between the gutters, and you know we'd love to hear what your thoughts on on it are. Uh, you know if you happen to be listening on to us on whatever platform you're listening to us on if you could uh you know give us a a, a you know a high rating that would be much appreciated if you uh, recommend us to your friends or you know, share and subscribe we would appreciate that as well all right book them dano <laughs> dano book <laughs> <laughs>